Hey everyone, it's Mallow, your host of Identico After Dark and the creative director here for Identico. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by Gamers Heaven and their newest location just north of Seattle, Washington. There, in a family-friendly and welcoming environment, you can play tabletop or video games, read manga, or just relax with friends and sample some amazing drinks from their boba tea bar. If you want to learn more, log on to GamersHeavenSeattle.com to see hours and location. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, Fringers. The following podcast may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, hello everyone, and welcome to Identico After Dark, the show where we talk about games, TV, music, movies, and more. My name is Mallow. I am your host. I am joined, as I am very often, by my co-conspirator Alex. Welcome, What's sir. What's going on? What's and up? Tonight, back by popular demand, we got Joe. Popular demand. Yes. Oh yeah. Time Twitter loves you. Sh- I'm looking at Twitter timeline right now. They love you. Last week's stream was great. We had that was yeah. like a lot of interaction. We got Risa. We got Tip. We got be a player in the chat. See, I can talk about it now. We got people in the chat. We're not doing it. We're not doing storytelling anymore. So I can talk to you all directly. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Come on in. Gather around the monitor's warming glow or your phone if that is how you are watching tonight. Come on in, have a good time. Actually, war monitors. If you're still using a CRT, Uh-oh, it is. Phil just, Phil just showed up, so he's gonna troll the crap uh, out of us. Lies, lies, and slander. <laughs> uh, that's okay. We got, we have moderators in chat to take care of it if need be. It's just all good. Anybody in here? Yeah. Yep. Property values going down. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, tonight we're talking about Dune, the 2021 version, not the Dune. the David Lynch version. Although maybe we could we could chat about that later in the context of the greater Dune. I guarantee it's going to be cross referenced at least a few times. <laughs> I, I I guess so. Yeah, probably. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out there for everybody. I didn't see it, so I'm not gonna do any talking about the current Dune because I didn't see it. It's not my job to fucking see it. I'll see it when I goddamn please on HBO so, Max. Yes, yeah, I know. I'll see you when I got a damn place. I had sports well, to watch this weekend. You I'll fucking nerds. You. I have seen it twice, so therefore I've seen it enough for you. Wait, so there you, you go. You went and saw it again? I saw it this afternoon again. Okay. Okay. So you're, yeah. you're a I'm little let, fresher I'm letting than I the am. Two, I'm letting the two that really give a shit about this movie talk about it. Okay. Well, so, bit. heavy spoilers incoming. Oh, yeah. Way, you know what? Spoiler alert. I don't, have a, so, I don't have a little thing for that, but... Can we really quick talk about this? The Dune books have been out for 50 years. If you don't know the and story of Dune... And they're fucking terrible. Okay? If you don't know the story of Dune, I can't help you at this point. I really can't. Okay? Like, I think there should be a time limit on spoilers for adaptations of no time. Agreed. <laughs> okay? Like, especially if the book's been out for 50 years. My, my stance is, if a movie or book has been out for more than five years, the spoiler tag has expired. You've had a chance. I agree. Snape killed Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. 
You know, I made that joke once on this stream, and then I got a message from Wild Pants and said, "So and so is actually just reading those for the first time, and you just spoiled it." <laughs> like, oh, well, I'm well. I'm sorry to them if I have just spoiled it for them. Have you not been on the internet in the last ten years? Also, well, you know, there's a lot of different pockets of the internet. It's like the Outer Rim worlds in Star Wars. There's a lot of different places and pockets that you could go into that. And so Very true. most of them are hives of scum and villainy. So I don't mm -hmm. necessarily assume that if somebody hasn't seen something for the most part nowadays with so much stuff, it's what it is. Okay. Oh, no, don't spoil the Hobbit. <laughs> My life is ruined. I love it. Uh, so let's real quick for anybody who doesn't know or has been living under a rock on Mars, right? This newest adaptation was done by Denis Villeneuve who did Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, um, both of which were great films. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 kind of got shit on, I think, because of how terrible it was. No, it was. I thought it was really good, but it just... The way that they they pushed that movie out, the way they did it was funky. And we could again, we could talk about that in adaptations later. So, uh, Joe, I'm actually gonna say, why don't you go first? What were because Joe and I went to see this Saturday night. Yeah. So Joe and I actually went to a theater late at night because we figured there would be less humans. Um. On that note, I would like to note there's a reason I remember why. There's sometimes I don't like the theater experience. There were these two 15-year-old fuckers in front of us who kept getting up in the middle of the movie. They got up like four times. They just would walk right in front of us. I was just like, I'm going to fucking stab you. I just I just want to point it out right now, too, is that uh, somebody in the chat uh, just said that uh, when she was younger, she thought Dune and Tremors featured the same worms. I'm That's canon now. It's fucking canon. Tremors I mean. is just Dune many years earlier there's only so many ways you can make a worm so i mean i kind of get that true well i've seen it twice i watched it today to kind of give myself a refresher and i also wanted to go back and double check some some things on it and i will say if you're gonna see it go see it in the theaters if you are comfortable doing that it's perfectly fine to see it on the television if you don't feel comfortable doing that but it, it is a release that is very much meant for a theatrical release. You get much more out of it from a big theater with the big screen and all that nonsense than you do sitting in front of your television, unless you have, like, just a crazy home theater setup, which could work. That's, that's but I still feel like it was definitely something that was really designed for the big screen, which is kind of a duh moment, but it, it loses something in the translation to the smaller screens. Um, but I, I really liked it a lot. Like, I, I think this is one of the most faithful adaptions to the book that has been made to this point. Um, and in a broader category of book to movie adaptions, not just specifically in Dune, I think this is still one of the best, closest ones I've seen. Yes. Um, I will say that I, I worry that there's going to be a huge amount of collective wit out in the world right now after seeing it because Dune is weird. No, you don't say. Dune is weird. So yeah. we live in a world where there's masked singer and that stupid ass avatar singing competition on Fox. And you're going to tell me that Dune is weird. Mm, I'm not buying so, it. 
I think so here's what is weird that more of the people are going to have to actually engage their brains and let's be honest that's because the plot is nonsense half the time so, so I've been thinking about this a lot in preparation for this stream and I'm not sure and I would love to hear if anybody in the chat is not wasn't super familiar with Dune when they went to see it if they didn't understand the story when they went to see it, I would love to know what their impressions were. It's difficult for me to judge because I had read Dune a few times and I've read it, you know, periodically over the last 30 years. Um, so it actually was the fact that one of the things that I was I'm concerned about specifically for the second movie is they left some things out or didn't explain things. And then it hit me earlier today where I was like, they did it to keep it simple for people. Because if you added all this other stuff that like matters, but doesn't quite matter yet, that's where I think people would be like, what the fuck? Cause like, just as an example, you, they mentioned the spacing guild briefly, but they don't talk about it. They don't talk about the navigators. They don't talk about why they rely on the spice. They don't talk about what they look like. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you backtrack a little bit on that one because that's one of the things I went back and, and watched it again for. Okay. They actually do mention what spice, why spice is important, what how what the navigators' role are, and how they use the spice. But it's literally just like a five second blurb at the very beginning of the movie, and then they never cover it again. Did right. did they say the words the spice must flow? No. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, terrible movie. Fuck that. Not sure. Cancel nope. that shit. Call up Warner Brothers. To, nope. No on part two. It's bullshit. Fuck it. D they didn't, and that's because this is one. Since we're already on the topic of, th of things that they've adapted, one of the things that I think that they changed that I did not like was that the, the spice must flow comes from the very beginning of the movies and the books, because at the very beginning of the previous adaptions and in the book. It opens up with the Navigator Guild basically telling the Emperor that Paul Atreides is coming and they need to do something about it. And that's where the phrase spice must flow because they're worried about a disruption in the spice. In this movie, you never see the Navigators at all. They're not nope. in the film a single bit. Like you see their ship in space, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, so like Joe, I really enjoyed the movie. I think that there was a couple of points where the pacing got a little off, right? Where I think they slowed down a bit much. I think they could have gotten more exposition and more explanation in had they cut a couple of things out. I will be curious to see what the deleted scenes look like when we get stuff like deleted scenes. Um, visually, and from a filmmaking perspective, it's beautiful. Like, it's amazingly shot. Um, the color tones, like you, you definitely get a lot. Um, I think that if there was one thing I didn't like, it's how certain characters weren't developed very well. And the one that sticks out the most to me is Gurney Halleck. Josh Brolin does what he can with the with the material he's given in the film, but. Gurney Halleck is so much more important and there's is such a deeper character um, that I think they kind of gave Gurney short shrift. 
they were so focused on Duncan Idaho, and Duncan Idaho is also very important to Dune as a whole, as we all know. But Gurney really kind of got left out in the cold. I think they kind of left Duncan Idaho out in the cold a little bit too. Like they, he had a much bigger role than Gurney Halleck did because Gurney Halleck's only in the whole, whole movie for what three or four scenes. Mm, yeah, some it's it's not much, relatively little. Um, and, but Duncan Idaho's in it a bit more than that, but not much more. And I kind of feel like Duncan Idaho was notable. And this is what I went back. One of the things I went back and watched it today for because I was curious if they did it. I, According to the book, in the book, Duncan Idaho kills 19 Sardaukar. Yes. I counted today. They shortchanged him. He only killed 16. I would like to point out, and Mallow, back me up here. Only Joe. <laughs> only Joe would go back to that scene, which is after they meet up with... I'm talking. You're talking about the one where he meets up with no. Liette Kynes? Yes and no. When, when, after they meet up in the desert, right. they, he kills 13 there. I'm counting the other three he kills in the palace before he leaves. So he kills a total of 16. But in the books, he kills 19. Only Joe's salty ass would go back and be like, one, two, three. It it upset me. (laughs) It upset me a little bit because, and this is why I think they didn't develop Duncan Idaho very much. The fact that Duncan Idaho was able to kill 19 Sardaukar is extremely notable in that world. Because Sardaukar are like the premier military dudes. Yeah. Agreed, Risa. And the fact that he killed 19 of them is like, it's not just that he killed one and survived. He killed fucking 19 of them. Like, that's a notable thing in that world. And by the way, spoiler, he actually does continue to survive. He comes back. Like, you're going to see him die uh, in part one here. He doesn't die there. Neither does Gurney. Um, They'll be back. Okay. Gurney just kind of vanishes in this film. Like, it shows him, like, leading a charge, and then that's, like, the last time you see him. Yeah. Um, um, let's burn through the rest of the cast, and I'm going to leave Paul for last. Um, Oscar Isaac, how did you like him as Duke Leto? I liked him quite a bit. Um, I like Oscar Isaac. Um, I think his portrayal as, of Poe in Star Wars is probably one of the few good portrayals in that film. Mm-hmm. series um, I think he did an excellent job here um, I know that it's kind of a duh that he gets killed because he's Duke Leto but I was kind of sad that he wasn't in more of the film yeah uh, uh, okay um, well we talked about Gurney I think Jason Momoa did a good job as Duncan Idaho I thought he had that playful like super soldier kind of move with him um, so I'm going to talk about Stephen McKinley Henderson of Stiffy Hawat, and here's the my other gripe. They really don't explain Mentats, what the hell a Mentat is, what the hell the Mentats do, why there are Mentats. Isn't, like, isn't that a isn't that a, a like mouth drop, like a thing you use to get good breath? I thought that mm-hmm. was Ment- Mentos, the Fresh Maker. Yeah. That's going to be a new commercial on my shoes. It's called Mintat, the Fresh Maker. I would this be surprised is, if someone hadn't made that already. Probably. I'm, I'm sure they have, uh, because I want to see, I don't know, Thufer Herat lifting a Volkswagen bug that some girl got stuck in the middle of the thing, like that commercial. Um, yeah. Uh, Phil's pointing out in the chat that Butlerian Jihad, why they're basically no thinking computers. They don't really cover Mentats. I think that 
that kind of got short shrift too. The whole concept of Mentots. I kind of feel like I, I wish they would explain it a little bit more, but I also kind of feel like that, that was one of the things they cut to try to fit more of it in because it, it in the background it does make it, it is a pretty big plot point in the book, but I don't think it's really something they need to hit. And we all know they're going to have to cut some things to make it fit yeah. into a reasonable hour. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Loved him. I thought he did a good job. Um, he's definitely a different take on Baron Harkonnen than we've seen previously, because all the previous incarnation, he's been just kind of maniacal and crazy. And this is a very slow, calculating, thoughtful version of him, which mm -hmm. honestly, to me, makes him hellaciously more sinister. Yeah, no, I thought... Aside from the fact that they kind of dialed down some of his, uh, what's called predilections. Mm -hmm. That was one of my, that was one of my disappointments with this one, is Baron Harkonnen is supposed to be just an absolute garbage pile of a human being, both physically and morally. Yep. And they kind of dialed that back with this one, and I kind of understand why they did, because like, you know, in the books, he has slaves with little heart valves so he can drain their blood out and bathe in it. Like, I understand that's probably a little much for most audiences, especially this day, in this day and age, to show that. Yeah. I think that would be a little bit much for most audiences on any day. Like, let's be real about that. Yeah. Uh, but he did. He did an excellent job. And I, I really, I'm impressed by his acting just about in everything he does, because he's, he's really able to portray mm -hmm. just through like facial expressions, just this really sinister, evil person. Tip yes, says, notice uh, that we haven't seen Freyd Harkonnen saving that one oh, for two. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, I think we talk about that. We talk about the, the adaptations where we think they're going in two. Um, <clears throat> How about uh, our Rebecca Ferguson, our Lady Jessica? What did you think, Joe? I, I liked her acting. I, however, didn't really hugely care for their portrayal of Jessica in this one. Like, she did a fantastic job with the acting. With the material that she was given, yeah. But they, they made her... Which, I'll admit, it's been a long time since I've read the books, but... I don't recall Jessica being that emotionally volatile as she was in this one. <laughs> she was always very afraid for her son. That was always a thing that was pretty okay. But her whole thing was that she's a Bene Gesserit, so she had her emotions under lock. Um, and they very rarely came out. Like, about the only time you see him when they come out is when she's interacting with Duke Leto right before he gets killed. I'm going to um, push up my glasses in the 50 pages yeah. of the book that I was able to read, and I would like to disagree with you because that's the only thing I took away from those 50 pages <laughs> was that she did not want her fucking son anywhere near any of that shit. Oh, yeah, she didn't want her son anywhere near. And she was it. not happy. But she she spent about the first half of this movie crying. And I'm, I'm like, I get it. I just don't think that that was a very particularly good Lady Jessica portrayal. Oh, that was the only thing that we didn't get. And I actually thought about this, too. And then it clicked with me after I was going back to, to do some review on the books. So they mention it right at the end of the book, but they don't talk about the fact that she is a badass fighter, right? It's the weirding way and their weird way of fighting. Uh, they show it at the very end where he's like, she's fighting one of the Fremen when her and Paul first meet up with Stilgar and the guys out at the, near the siege. And and the, the guy she's fighting with right at the end of the spot in the movie, he's like, you didn't tell me 
you were one of those weirding people. And she's like, our conversation got cut short, right? I wish they would have kind of like showed more of that for Jessica was that, again, this is a, a person who's been trained since birth to be this mover and shaker, not just with her mental powers, but as a like, I will stab a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, she was when she was fighting Stillgard. Yeah, you know, that's who she was fighting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't want to dig, dig on her for what she did. She did a very good job with what she did in the film. I just don't think that was a a fantastic adaptation of Jessica. All right, let's hit uh, Javier Bardem, who played our Stillgar. He's not in the film much, but I thought what he did worked. It felt very Fremen to me. Yep. So it felt very Stilgar, because Stilgar was, in the book was kind of very reserved until he really got to know Paul. And then even then, he's still kind of reserved, but he opens up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, Chani we see in Visions, and then for all of about five minutes. <laughs> yep. Like, way, way to sell a movie on having Zendaya on there and then not actually use it. My main comment on that. Best is, fucking paycheck she's probably ever gotten. Right. Apparently she got paid only $300,000 for the 10 minutes that she Only $300,000. Only. She was only on set filming for four days. Yeah. Okay. Um, but let's be, let's be real about that. That is a lot of money. For four it days is, of work. Fucking the, the one thing about her, and it has nothing to do with her acting, but it was an article that I read before we went and saw the movie about how it was like it was. I forget which one it was, but it was one of those women-oriented like magazine website nope. kind of things. Careful, careful. And they, they were, they, their biggest question was like how she coped with the air quote barely there costumes they had her in. I'm like, what movie did you see? Because at no point was she ever barely there in costumes. Like she wore, even, a, she wore a still suit. Like at one point in one of the shots, you see like the outline of her calves. <laughs> Are you sure you weren't reading like a, a Mormon women's magazine? It was an interview with her. I don't know, remember who it was, but I was just like, oh no, they showed her ankles. Lord, help me. In nineteen fifty-three again. I mean, it will be if the Republicans keep winning. As, Topical as somebody, humor. As somebody in the chat pointed out, yeah, we're going to see a lot more of Chani in the next movie. And we know that. Um, all right. So let's go to the final one in our thing. And I'm really curious about this. This is one where in the dialogues that I've heard, I've heard a lot of mixed feelings on this compared to, especially like I said, the David Lynch version and then the sci-fi channel adaption from the early 2000s. What did you think of Timothy Chalamet as Paul Atreides? I think he did okay. Um, mainly... I'm hearing a butt. He was a lot more moody than I was anticipating. Which I know Paul was kind of moody. I mean, he's supposed to be like a 15, 16 year old kid. So, yeah, it makes sense he's moody. Um... He, he is very dark and brooding, which I don't think is necessarily an accurate representation of him, of Paul Atreides. I mean, it makes sense that he was like that after everything went to shit and he's out in the desert, sure. But like, he was like Captain Depresso up in, in uh, Caliban. Yeah. Um, but I think he did a good job. I, I like him better than, uh, God, what was his name in David Lynch one? The actor's name. Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. I think he did a better job than than he did, 
which isn't saying much because his acting was very typical of the time period, kind of over the top and weird. And he, but he did that not whole look like he was David, a 15 year old. That whole David Lynch one is. Timothy Chalamet fit the role better, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, so there's our cast. I do want to backtrack to Jason Momoa real quick, if we can. For a second. Yeah, go. I love Jason Momoa. I think he's a fantastic human being. He's done really good work. But let's be honest here. In most of his films, he's kind of one tone. He's he, Jason Momoa. He's very, very much kind of a meathead. You know, I'm Mr. Tough Guy kind of thing. They managed to make him not be a meathead Mr. Tough Guy in this one. I really liked his portrayal. It, it showed a lot more character and, and emotional range out of him this one than in previous films he's done. Yeah, I'd agree um, with that. I, I really appreciate that because I kind of feel like he gets typecast a lot and they don't let him be an actor. You definitely felt a lot of the bond and I'm not sure if it was more him or Chalamet or kind of a combination of both. You felt the bond between Duncan Idaho and Paul Atreides. Like when you see when Duncan or yeah, when Duncan goes out to fight the 13th Sardaukar, when they meet with Liet Kynes in the desert, like you feel that and it's it's after this scene where they've learned that Duke Leto has died. Paul and Jessica have been hiding in the desert for a couple of nights, and then they managed to to roll up on on Duncan. And Duncan's like, the Duke is dead. And then he kneels before Paul and he's like, my Duke. But again, you you get it in this sense that he feels horrible grief for Duke Leto dying, and he's telling Paul, you're my friend, I will follow you to hell and back. And I thought the scene played really well, and you felt that like Duncan was gonna like murder fools for Paul. <laughs> so in, in, in some of the things I've seen since then they, uh, that they were talking, people on the set that were that were involved in making the movie were talking that they wanted Duncan Idaho to be seen as a big brother figure. Mm -hmm. And they did that. But I think personally, it's not, I, the vibe I got was not big brother. It's cool uncle. And Gurney is the other uncle who's not quite as cool, but knows his shit. So I kind of got more of an uncle nephew vibe out of it, especially okay. since he calls him my boy like all the time. But yeah, I, I really like their interaction. I, I think they, they really finally used Jason Momoa to his potential. I'd agree with that. I like Momoa. I thought he did a good job. Um, so with that, again, that's kind of our general thoughts on this tune. Uh, so let's talk about adaptation but let's let's start that discussion by talking about the next dune movie because here's my and this is kind of like my feeling on dune part one and going into dune part two and what i'm concerned about and the chats brought up a couple of things like there's no fade rautha you don't see him in the film at all they don't even introduce him you don't see princess irulan you don't see the padishai emperor the padishai emperors referred to twice maybe three times. They don't talk about it much. You know there's an Imperium and there's an Emperor, but you're not really sure what their relationship is. And so my fear for the second uh -oh. film, and this, again, talking about our adaptations, is the second film's going to have a lot of heavy lifting to do to get us through it. 
I think they're going to introduce Fade with the second one because they're going to. But I'm saying the amount of crap they've got to cram into the second movie because they left all of it out of the first one. There's going to be rough. There's going to be some pretty huge time jumps in the second one or in between the first and second one, because in the book, from the time that they the the Harkonnens wipe out the Atreides forces and the time that Paul comes back is several years. It's like yeah. two or two or three years. Two or three years. Um, and if I remember right, Fade was brought in because um, what's, so the, his face? what's his the, face wasn't getting the job done. It's not that. So, and this is again why. And you see, Rabbit. you see a scene that kind of brings it up in the movie. In that, there's a scene where Baron Harkonnen tells Robin the Beast, and he goes, "Hey, yeah, kill them all." But the thing was is that Baron Harkonnen in the books early is putting Beast Rabon in charge to make sure that he goes so over the top that Fade Routha seems reasonable in comparison. Right? And there's no reference to that. You don't know Fade Routha exists. Right? Yeah. The other thing the book does is that you know from chapter one because there's the, the entries to each chapter by Princess Irulan that she's married to Paul and that all of this has already happened and that there's a whole thing here and that Paul is Mwadib, Paul is going to become the, and you you have some feeling as to where it's going, which is completely left out of the film. And I'm worried that because they've got to jam all that stuff in there into the second one, it's going to cause them to rush some stuff. I think the second one is. I think we're going to end up in three parts. Uh, I like at this point. I'm. I people keep mentioning Dune Messiah, and I know they've talked about it. So that's that's the director Denis Villeneuve. He I wants don't to think do. They're going to get there. He wants to do Dune Messiah as the third movie. I don't think they're going to get there. I, I think he's. I think he's misdirecting a little bit too, because he wants to leave some surprise for whenever it actually gets released. But I don't see how they're going to do it. Two is going to be their Empire Strikes Back. It's going to be when the Baron Harkon- when the Harkonnens are fully in control of everything, and everything's kind of shit on the planet because they they're waging their war against the Fremen to try to 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 eliminate them. And then you're going to see Paul learning how to be a Fremen and, and starting to build up his leadership of the Fremen. And then in the final movie, I think, is where we're going to see the confrontation between okay, the so Fremen every, and Harkonnen. Everybody in the chat, mark this down and clip this for later. Joe thinks they're going to stretch Dune, just Dune, into three movies. I don't see how they're not going to. I, I think that they're going to rush through the rest of it. I they, think that... I think that Maybe. I don't. I don't think Villeneuve is is lying here. I think he's he's I, straight up. I think I it's gonna. I think he's gonna just, rush it. I can't see it because Dune Messiah does. It's not nearly as popular in the in the pop culture as Dune itself is. And very, I would say, even people who of the people who have read Dune, I would say very few of them have actually read Dune Messiah. <laughs> uh, Phil is in the chat when they made damn three Hobbit yeah. movies. That's true. Um, that's also Peter Jackson being Peter Jackson, and that's a whole other set of that. Peter, Peter Jackson this. also uh, pitched that as three Hobbit movies yeah. to the business people who can make a lot more money. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to do most of the development of Paul into. And then three, if they do do anything with Dune Messiah, it's going to be attack on to the end of the story of. Dune. 
Actually, this is where I think actually, because Sean brings up a good point, is that Jackson pitched this, but there's also one other thing happening between now and the release of the next Dune. And I'm curious what Sean's thought process is compared to what Joe's saying and things like this, is that Warner Brothers is currently being purchased. So right now, for those that don't know, Warner Brothers owns is owned by AT&T. AT&T is selling the entire Warner Brothers brand to include HBO and all its crap to Discovery which is a very different network and their CEO runs things really differently than, than AT&T does. Does that have an impact on how they look at this franchise? Depends on how much money it makes in the box office. I haven't seen any figures for it yet, but I will look. Sean, yeah. what do you think? Do you think that makes a, a difference? Mm, depends on who's financing it. Cause Warner Bros. didn't actually finance the movie. So legendary did legendary did, which is a different subset of it. And so, um, Warner brothers and legendary financed this particular one. And it kind of depends on how well the second one does the, the way that things get made is if you keep making money, people will keep giving you money, uh, to go make more of that same thing because they'll always make more money on what you're making than, than what it cost them to make it. So, well, I had heard they'd already greenlit the second one. They have greenlit. They the have greenlit the so... second one. Yeah. I think we'll at least get that one. I don't they know what had, kind of. They had the minute it leaked it. that it was part one, and not the full movie. They had to come out and say that they greenlit the thing because there were like fifteen thousand <laughs> stories written to be like, oh, but they haven't said there's going to be a part two. What's going to happen? You know. Well, I mean, I imagine once it's been greenlit, there's probably some contracts that have been signed and whatnot that may not necessarily make it impossible to get two done, but knowing more knowing. Well, but so contracts are contracts are picked up a little bit differently than that. And so those can be, as we learned through the Scarlett Johansson uh, bullshit with Disney, like it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world. If you have a contract that says you're going to pay somebody a certain amount of money, you're going to have to pay them that amount of money. So uh, they probably have not secured. That's an all star cast. As much as I want to shit on the story for being all over the place and obtuse at points, uh, that's a lot of money you're paying to some really like top tier actors. Uh, and it's not going to be cheap to get them back on the hook now that they've seen that they can make one. Like every agent out there is going to ask for more money. Rightfully so, because their name's going to help carry the film. So. so. So on the box office thing, globally, because again, so, and, and I'll. We'll caveat a couple of these things. Globally, Dune's done just over 300 million global, which for this time period is really good because there's still a lot of people not going to theaters. Um, and they also decided that whole Warner Brothers and, and we could debate whether that was a smart move or not. The the Warner Brothers decision to simul release all of their 2021 films in theaters and on HBO Max at the same time um, probably hurt the box office quite a bit um but again globally it's it's done over 300 million and it was a 165 million dollar budget um so it's made its money yeah i mean i'm looking at some all-time box office amounts and some of this is you have to take with a grain of salt because you know money differences at the time mm -hmm. but that's that's not a, a that's not a bad showing especially since it's only been out for what it's been out in Europe a little bit longer than, and that's where here, it's but, made most of its money. <laughs> uh, I'd be interested to see what it is in a few weeks. Significantly less, 
Uh, to top on that, too, I think HBO Max has lost 1.8 million subscribers, I believe. Uh, the earnings was just uh, updated. Um, partially, they blame that on leaving Amazon Prime channels because the contracts all left, and so they went on their way. Uh, you could, you know, at the time, purchase an HBO subscription through Amazon Prime, um, mm -hmm. and now you can't do that anymore. You got to go directly to it. Um, so I think that's part of the issues with the streaming service. But they're still, I think, ending. I think they ended the third quarter with like 45 million plus subscribers. So it's not a small number by any means. 47 is the last number <laughs> I've got. Mm, I'm looking at in the, the U.S. No, they finished third quarter in September with 45.2 million. I got the okay, numbers. Okay, so that in front is down. That's yeah. down. So that's down two million in the U.S. Yep. So um, they were up around 69 million ish or so during the earlier part of the year and late last year. So it's you know been in a steady decline. If you're looking at the, if you're a bean counter looking at the numbers. Um, we've had a lot of classic adaptations lately with Dune, and then we had Foundation, which I'll chat about in a little bit. Which now it's, then it'll be your turn to be salty. Oh, it's frustrating. But here's the but, thing, and I've been wanting to share this since okay, before I had no. to, uh, since before I had to uh, fix the stream for stuff. Anything in part two can be better than what I'm about to show you. Look at this. Look at this right here. Look at that David shit right Lynch. there. That's a that's a goddamn jump rope. It's a fucking <laughs> jump rope. They just made a bunch of fucking jump ropes. It was 1984, man. They only had so much. 1984 was legitimately the best year ever because it was when I was born. So they could have made a really good Dune back then. You know what else also came out in the mid 80s? The fucking Empire Strikes Back and it was fan-fucking-tastic. Actually, came out in 1980, and Return of the Jedi was 83. So you're right. Yeah, you're right. I was good, but but the thing is, is they used a lot of cheap over-the-shelf stuff in Star Wars, but they made it look better. Yeah, but that's uh, that's that's the thing is you can you can always improve it. You just don't you know go get fucking don't go get a jump rope and then attach that to your main character. Okay, just saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, uh, I will say this from just a a straight up adaptation point. I think this one is both a better and a prettier adaptation than either the 1984 or the 2001 sci-fi channel version of these games, of these movies. These books. Yeah. But one thing so I, so I here, here's the thing that I, here's the thing that I'm going to say as we leave on to it is okay. Dune never should have been a movie. Um, Dennis Villanueva has a great way of shooting stuff that I appreciate as a fellow cinematographer, but uh, the storytelling just is never there in any of his movies. It wasn't there oh. in Blade Runner. You so know. Let's, let's let's go back because there's one in particular that I love of his that I thought, and it, it's actually an adaptation of a short story, and that was Arrival. Eh. I didn't like I any. They're also so esoteric. I didn't really care for it that much. I see that was I've kind never of what seen I, it, so I don't have an input on that one. What I liked was that it he actually inserted a little more action because he decided to put any action in there. The whole thing is, is supposed to be a, a, a concept on language. So you didn't like that one either? It was okay, but he wasn't the writer, and that's the best thing. Like, he's George Lucas for this for this generation. 
when he's not the writer did he write this too? no yeah he did he's he's got oh, a writing he credit did, he he's writing this John one and Spates did yep yeah. he doesn't have a he doesn't have a writing credit on this one he doesn't have a writing credit on blade runner 2049 which is why it's passable he didn't have a, a writing credit on Sakaro as well, and that was the fucking Oscar winning one, I believe. Right? He huh. won uh, He won the Oscar for uh, Sakaro. Sakaro? Right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, like, I, let the man I just really make like a film. I really like this one. I, I don't have a huge amount of qualms with the way the story was presented or, or acting or story dialogue or any of that stuff. I really like Blade Runner 2049. I liked I it a lot. Um, I And I've come to the realization I really like the way Peter Villeneuve does cinematography and shots and the quality of the CG that he ends up in his movies. Um, and I love how we've all pronounced his last name three different ways. So... I, I do know his first name is Denis. Uh, I've yeah. heard his last name pronounced a bunch of different ways, so I'm going with the way that looks right to my Latino self. But I really Except like... it's French. <laughs> He's Canadian. Is he? <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, yeah, he has a heavy French accent. Oh, he is. Right. He's from Quebec. I'm actually looking at his IMDb feed right now. I think I'm doing it wrong. I've seen I've seen Stupid some of the based languages in the scenes interviews with him. He has a thick accent. Yes. Okay. It's also, um, by the way, it's not it's not it's not Dennis that's doing it. It's Greg Frazier. Like he's the cinematographer behind all those great shots in those movies. Uh, yeah, but but he hired him, so he gets credit for it. I guess. He's still, yeah, he's still the director. He gets he yeah, gets credit but he's for also he yeah, but no. Because it's actually not him who hires him. It's the executive producer that hires him. Uh, because that's the person that's behind the thing. Well, this is where I'm going to request that you push your glasses up. <laughs> fucking take them off. There you go. I'm taking them the fuck off. Oh, goddamn bound, baby. I appreciate your input because you know a lot more about this than we do. But and, this you, is, and you know what else Fraser shot? The fucking Mandalorian. That's why he's so goddamn good. That you're like getting the glasses pushing territory. Yeah, he shot he shot three chapters of the first season of Mandalorian and set the fucking tone for what great television should be, which is where Dune should be. Dune should be this version of space Game of Thrones, but with an actually good ending. Like issue the the later books that suck terribly uh, and which actually I make a good ending. Well, yes, uh -oh. I think a lot of people do. I don't think there's a whole oh, lot of argument. That, of the, that would the... be my guess as to why he wants to stop with Messiah is because after Messiah, it gets bananas. Uh, yeah, I've heard anecdotally that was because um, Herbert told the story he wanted to tell in the first two books and this publisher basically forced him to write more. So he just ended up making it crazy trying yeah. to get him to stop. Yeah. Um, I would also so say, by the way, too, that Fraser shot Rogue One, which is by far one of the yes. best Star Wars movies ever. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So then again, shout I out to my cinematographer boys. They did amazing with the visuals in this. This is one of the first. The only shot that I that I was like, ooh, I don't like the CG in that is when it cuts to the like future scene where Paul's fighting the Sardaukar in the desert. And it cuts to the scene where his like facial visor. Oh, comes his up. visor comes yeah, up. Yeah. I, I thought that one looked a little jank. Um, but the rest of it looked amazing, and I really like their attention to detail in this movie. Mm -hmm. 
like the sandworm quite a bit. But let's let's talk about this. So, so Sean says this shouldn't have been adapted. There's been a lot of discussion see lately between this and Foundation about what they call the the unadaptable films or unadaptable books, I should say. And for a long time, because the Dune 9 1984, it was cheesy. The 2001 one was confusing and kind of poorly acted. Is this just stuff that shouldn't be adapted? Is there stuff that can't be adapted? Stories can be told no matter what. It's just you actually have to have somebody who can do it. Like, what? Star Wars is esoteric and weird as well. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, when it's done well and you focus on sort of the human being pieces and not all of the other stuff like the problem that people a lot of people make with adaptations is they forget to ground it in basic human things one thing i have noticed in my time watching sci-fi and having read a lot of like especially classical sci-fi like dune and hitchhiker's guide and some other ones like any if you go even further back like the john carter stuff i i'm finding that there's a lot of difficulty adapting some of the older sci-fi to the, the modern day. I don't think it's impossible, but I do definitely feel like there's a little bit of a hurdle they're having a hard time crossing over and keeping it original or, or keeping it true to the original source. So, yes. And so there's there's two things to this is that there's stuff that I respect the adaptation because I think it kept the spirit of the original source, even if it wasn't a direct adaptation, and stuff where they were just like, we want to slot this name on it, and this is really what we want to do. And that really, really bugs me. Um, the first one that comes to mind on that is Starship Troopers. That adaptation has almost nothing to... Like, we still have bugs... And the main character's name is Johnny Rico, well, and that's about it. That's, I kind of feel like that's, that's somewhat to my point. It, it's an older book. It came out in, what, 80-something? No, that was 65. Was yeah. Way back in there. But, but I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like Starship Troopers was... Like, like, if we have Dune on one end of the spectrum, where it's a, like a one-to-one -one adaption... And then I think Starship Trooper is the other end of the pendulum because they basically tried to take a book that had been around for a long time. And I think they kind of made it too modern for the time that they ended up basically just scrapping 90% of the story and just doing a generic sci-fi film out of it. They made five fucking Starship Trooper movies. Oh, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. No, they, they kept going. And they like you worse. said, dude, if they make money... If it makes any sort of the money, the first one didn't make going. money though. The, the, the I last, think it did. I'm pretty sure it did. The last four were straight to DVD. They were fucking straight to DVD sci-fi nonsense, and they were terrible. Uh, they were straight to thing. Uh, it made 121 million, and the budget was 105 million. You didn't pay very much. Why I remember, did you make I remember it watching one of them on, I think it was on Netflix a few years ago because I was like, I wonder if this is any good. It was not. Holy shit! The budget from Starship Troopers in 1997 was, was 100, 105 million. You know what? You want to guess what the budget for the next film was? What? Seven! That's how much they didn't believe in that movie. 
Yeah, that's well, basically <laughs> like somebody getting a 20 on a, on a Friday night and being like, don't spend it all in one place. Again, this is where like, like, and, and BitPlayer made a comment in the, in the chat at the, that I think applies to this is that, and I actually disagree with BitPlayer is that from that classic era did not write with the idea that will be seen visually. I think you could film Starship Troopers. What Verhoeven was doing was trying to make a, a, a satire and make a political point, and he literally just used the veneer of what Starship Troopers like had on the surface to make that point. It had nothing to do with it. I think you could make Starship Troopers visually. I think you could make Foundation visually. I just think that some of this stuff gets lost in the translation, and I don't know why. I don't think Starship Troopers could have been made visually in 97. I think they could have tried, but I think it would have ended up being just an absolute shit show. But no, because they made, they, made, they made Star Wars. They made Star Wars in the 80s. They made Jurassic Park in the mid-90s. It can be done. But, yeah, I, I, just, I somewhat disagree with that because in the book, the, the, the mobile infantry are like, they're wearing basically like exosuits and jumping around like miles at a jump and being fired from basically six shooter revolvers from space into the atmosphere yeah power armor basically yeah and let's be honest they made star wars uh, in the in the the prequels are also made around that time and they also looked like shit they didn't look so as bad as starship troopers did though no they they didn't and here's the thing <laughs> everybody wants to be like the prequels are like crap I remember when the prequels came out. Everybody was super impressed with the prequels. No, the prequels did out. not look like crap. The prequels looked good for what they were. The problem was the source material. Yeah. And, <laughs> That's and again, the problem George is a great innovator, but he's a terrible dialogue writer. Yeah. No, I, I do remember some people complaining that the prequels like overused CGI even back then. That was them saying that they overuse the CGI, not that it looked bad. They were just like, yeah. there's too much there's of it. There's a difference. It's, it's like, yeah. yeah. And, and so the CGI for what it was at the time was really, really good. Um, well, I'm over here trying to think if there's been any other sci-fi movies that really use power armor. And honestly, the only thing I can think of is that Tom Cruise movie, whatever the fuck they're calling it this day, Live, Die, Repeat, or whatever. Oh, yeah, the, tomorrow the day or, after tomorrow, whatever. Yeah, whatever they the, fuck. The, the day after you know, next Tuesday. So that actually, ironically, is again another adaptation of a manga. Well, and I was thinking another, another. it wasn't really sci-fi, but it's also like a classic that they kind of butchered the hell out of was I Am Legend. Oh, yeah. So... So we're obviously not going to stop Hollywood from adapting things. So like, like, how do you, Sean, when you're looking at something that's been adapted, how do you try and view it? I'm curious. Uh, you look at it mm. for what it is. It so, makes a good point. What? Planet of the Apes. Was that an adaptation? Pretty sure it was. So the, I'm talking about the original because we know that the movie is a remake of the old movie. Yeah. And the stuff. Was the original Planet of the Apes an adaptation? I don't actually know. I think so. While we're looking at that, Mala, go ahead on your opinion on adaptations. Didn't mean to derail you. No, I mean, you have to look at them for what they are. Um, there's there's two different kind of ways of, of, of looking at it. I mean, 
Hollywood has a very distinct line of saying like this was adapted from a book or whatever like that, but a screenplay is nothing but a book written in a different format. Like, so to me, when you're looking at something on the screen versus what's on the book, they serve two different things. Um, so you have to judge each individual creative for what they are. Um, you can fall in love with certain things from the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and all that kind of stuff. But if you were to have put that in the 18,000 hour version that Peter Jackson released of the, the first 15 Lord of the Rings, um, <laughs> you get bored to fucking death because it's not needed, right? Because a language nerd wrote that book, not a standard person that wants to watch a movie. Um, and if you're good with that, peace. Like, that's fine. Uh, but on their own, the Lord of the Rings trilogy as it was in cinema was fucking fantastic oh yeah fan fucking tastic and it was still dense the whole way through mm -hmm. um and so you kind of have to you have to look at both things now have i ever stopped reading any of the lord of the rings and hobbit books or anything like that nope nope still love them you know still read all through them you know from when i was a wee lad all the way up to now still fantastic um you know, I think it's one of those things where you've got to take it for what it is and you got to take it at face value as you go uh, and hope that somebody can be as vibrant, which I think is the problem that a lot of people have when they adapt things from a book to this is that they have these preconceived notions of how something should look, no matter how descriptive somebody is in the in the, uh, in the text. I'm looking at the mm -hmm. Count of Monte Cristo for this, you know, Alexander Dumas spent 12 pages describing wine. One glass of wine. Well, yeah, <laughs> you can. So there, there you go. There's, there's a, a. So, one of my traditions, anytime I deployed overseas, is I would read a classic piece of literature, and I would do it just to read it, right? So my first one I read uh, *Love in the Time of Cholera*, and my second one I actually read the entire unabridged *Count of Monte Cristo*. That thing is like three thousand pages. It's ridiculous. It's fifteen hundred and sixty-seven pages. It was, it was, it's absolutely fucking unfilmable. You couldn't make that a movie. There's whole sections in the middle that are just them talking about other shit that's going on. Not for any particular reason, but just because you might want to It's because know. back when Alexander Dumas wrote the book, you were fucking bored otherwise. So yeah, why not write it in the book? My teacher, when I first read that, because I read the 1500 plus page version the first time I read it back in school. And she mm -hmm. called me a damn madman for reading that version of it. And it's I was like, well, insane. it's because it's all right here. It's um, I Now I can breeze through the fucking work. thing. Oh, I've got well, it over like, here. If you want me to go get it, I'm going to go get it. I'll be right back. Go get it. But they need adaption. You're going <laughs> to have see what just happened like, chat. Just look at yeah. that. He's actually going to go get the damn book. With any adaption, you're going to have to cut things. Yes. So again, you that's... You can't fit it all in. Like, it, it would be impossible. That's... Even if you do like shuffle like full ass like fucking four oh. hour Shawshank Redemption releases. So it's not just about cutting. Cut. Is it more important to get the theme? Cause because here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna fuck with some people. I think that if Isaac Asimov had been alive when the Will Smith iRobot movie came out, I think he would have loved it. I th I think he would have said this is a great way of interpreting my work. I feel like that you just stepped on a landmine. I, I, I'm seeing if anybody wants to come for me on this one. They might. Okay. Well, 
because I actually think that while there were points of it and it was at times clumsily done, and there were some things that I was like, really? Like catch, casting, oh God, Bridget Moynihan as Susan Calvin was a fucking mistake because she's not Susan Calvin. Uh, but the concepts they were trying to explain in that film very much fell in line with the way that Asimov tried to explain those concepts. And so I think if the Will Smith iRobot, if Asimov had been alive when it was made, I think he would have been like, it's fine. This is exactly how I would have approached it. Well, I, I think a lot of authors understand that, that anytime you adapt, like I was saying, you're going to have to cut things. Not everything that's in a book is necessarily going to translate. And I know one of the big th issues that they've struggled with Dune is that in the book, there's a lot of internal monologue. Mm -hmm. And they kind of put that in in the, in the 84 adaption whatever fucking year it was. Mm-hmm. They did. It was weird. Um, I, pretty much any... I, I personally, anytime I see a character like internal monologuing something, I, I personally kind of find it weird. From a movie perspective, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I generally think most authors, unless it's something like, like the abomination they made with cats... Like, I, I think most act, most writers are probably just happy that their shit's getting turned into a oh, movie. Did you go, by the way, did you go get the book, Mallow? Right here. <laughs> I always keep, I always know where it's at. Don't worry. So, I have the... It is 1,461 pages. It is, I can also build houses with several copies of this. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. But while we're on the topic of adaptions, I am terrified what Amazon's going to do in real time. So I'm going to, again, step on another landmine by not only saying that iRobot was good, but also by saying I never read The Wheel of Time. You, uh, I mean, I don't you're not me. missing anything. Oh, but, I mean, what I meant to say. The audio <laughs> books, like if you, if you take The Wheel of Time audiobooks, which is arguably one of the faster ways to, to ingest that series. It has okay. a runtime of 19 days, five hours, and 25 minutes to get. Is that the whole thing? That's the whole thing from beginning to end, not including the prequel. 19 days of audiobook to get through that stuff. Yeah, I, I think if I started listening to the audio, uh, if I started listening to the audio. Uh, of the Wheel of Time right now, I might be at retirement age by the time I got through about half of it. Yeah. So. I I happen to very, very much like the Wheel of Time, but I am fully cognizant that it is a slog to get through. It is a very, it's just, it's 14 books. I've, I have a, a question though, because it is Sanderson who finished it at least. So, mm -hmm. and, and his stuff is usually pretty good. Um, So like, is it better or worse than having to slog through Netflix's Witcher because that is unfucking watchable as far as okay. I'm concerned. I okay. have not seen The Witcher because I hated the games and I, I saw one view of those guys with the testicle armor and I was like, okay, I'm done. I, I couldn't, I I couldn't sit down and watch it. <laughs> yeah. I looked at Henry Cavill with that bad wig. The wig threw me off. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It is the epitome of we're going to show gratuitous nudity for no reason, really. Um, like they didn't even do it. Like, cause Game of Thrones did that in their season one. They use sex position. Hey, 
We're gonna have some exposition so you understand what's happening, but we're gonna have people doing it at the same time so that you'll listen. <laughs> well, I think the the thing about the thing about uh, that they did with uh, with Game of Thrones too is in the first in the first episode, it was uh, Jamie and the bitch doing it, and then just pushing the dude yeah. out the window. Spoilers, by the yeah. way. Yeah, uh, that was the yep. shock moment, right? Like. We're past so, spoilers. Yeah. But by I'm the way, I just want to, for comparison's sake, I just want to show that even as as wordy as Rothfuss is, because this is my my custom uh, name of the wind, uh, even as much as that is, it's still bigger than, than Rothfuss's tome. So, did you, is that Wise Man's Fear? Because mm, Wise Man's Fear is the longer of the two. No, this is don't, they haven't made a version of this for Wise Man's Fear yet. They've only made the name of the wind, so... This is not the one I'm actually reading. I'm reading the trade paperback because it's easier to hold. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm almost done with that one. And maybe and it'll have a plot soon. I'm waiting maybe. for it to have a fucking plot. It would be great to have a plot in that book. And I have to, I have to take time since we're on the air. And it's been a while since I've done it. Maybe someday you will have Doors of Stone to compare It would be great. Well, you know, I, I started Rock reading this. the series because... I've met Pat a few times. I'm not going to jump on your bones quite like everybody else did. Because I've met Pat. I've talked with him several times. I uh, respect the hell out of him as a uh, writer and creator. And I was kind of like, just like karma hoping into the wind that if I like started reading it, that Doors of Stone would be announced. And I'd be like, all right, cool. I can power through these two books and get to it really quickly. Um, I, not yet. <laughs> Maybe soon, though. Hopefully soon. I really like Patrick Rothfuss. As a, as a writer. I like him as a person because I've, I've seen him talking in interviews and stuff. He does a shit ton of stuff with charity. Really love that about him. But he is the one author that has made it so that I will never start another fantasy novel uh, series until it's finished. Yeah. Uh, my because, my spouse is actually that way too. She won't watch a show until at least season three to think I that was, it could have any, you know. I was current with Wheel of Time when Robert Jordan died. Which his unfortunate his, his, circumstances. Yeah, <laughs> he, well, he, he developed a blood disorder, and that really caused him to. The, the, yeah. Before he died, it really slowed down his release. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not blaming him for that. He had medical shit to deal with. That's fine. But it just it seems like every time I start a new fantasy series that isn't finished, the writer dies or does a Rothfuss and takes what what eleven twelve years now since uh, Man's Fear. Maybe. Wise Man Fear was released in 2011. So, so, ten years. so about he's, 10 years. Yeah. So he's not as bad as George R.R. R. Martin. No. Yeah. I don't because think he's going to finish the series before. I, I firmly believe that, especially since it's been um, the last Song of Ice and Fire book was released in 2000. Uh, where is it at? It was released in 2011. It's about the same time. Um, so, but it's been 10 years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's been working on the next one for 10 years. Railroad Martin yeah. has left the rails well, a long time ago. <laughs> Probably. Well, I mean, Rothfuss has even flat out said that he had Doors of Stone done. And it was going to be edited, and that was—he said that about seven years ago. To answer chat uh, tip, 
it is on my to-read list. Uh, I discovered Ursula K. Le Guin. He's asking about Ursi, which is a six-book trilogy. Um, and I discovered her recently uh, with a few other ones. Uh, oh, that's one that's on my list to read, too. Yeah, so maybe we'll do a review once that's done and, and we can catch up on it. The, the, the part of the problem, and this is the best problem in the world to have and also the worst problem in the world to have because it means we're going to die as a civilization soon. We okay. have a lot of content out there. A no. lot of books and a lot of content and not nearly enough time to consume it all. No, and, but I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. Well, it is because a lot of things are getting greenlit. They probably shouldn't, but... That's true. <laughs> should probably have a little bit higher bar than, than what's out there, but... I think you know. partly because Hollywood's just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? I will, I will say... I still say we're in kind of a golden age of television and stuff. The nice thing about stuff like The Mandalorian and things like that is we're getting like some amazing TV and amazing content put out there. The stuff that's top notch is seriously top notch. And I think that it's, you're, you're more likely to get these really good prestige shows on television and do the stuff that you ever were in the old broadcast only days. That's why I'm vaguely optimistic about the wheel of time series. I, I'm, I have my reservations. I'm not going to go out and say it's going to be fantastic because it could actually be a shit show. But I, the, the willingness of studios and audiences to, to take in this, for lack of a better term, movie quality television shows every week. I think that is the only format that the Wheel of Time could potentially work in. They're going to need a lot of seasons to get through it. But it, it, there is no way in hell they would ever adapt that to a, a movie series, even if they did one movie per book and had 14 movies. They still couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I will always be the person that says, though, that episodic TV released weekly, even through streaming services, is the way to go. I don't mm-hmm. like Netflix's just here you go binge all weekend kind of mentality with the Squid no. Game and shit like that. I hate it. I, I'm an adult. I have things to do. I also a creator, so I can be grumpy about not having enough time to watch my peers. Um, but you know, I like, I like being able to break things down into nice, neat little chunks because a movie, you know, a movie, the, the length of the Lord of the Rings extended series is just too goddamn long for one sitting. We as humans need to move around. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you on the weekly release schedules. Um, I'm glad that Disney's holding to that. Yeah. Um, I think it, I, a, I think it was, it was a necessary market move when they first released and they didn't have that much new content coming out. And now like, we're going to get, we're going to roll straight from the Hawkeye show into the book of Boba Fett. Yep. It's going to be fan fucking tastic. And we're going to get like three months worth of like new content weekly. And it's all going to be, it looks like it's all going to be high quality content. Mm-hmm. Here is where I'm going to surprise literally everyone in this chat. And I'm going to be the contrarian. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Who? You? Yeah. No. He's going to say something, y'all. Go ahead and get the clip ready. Get the clips ready. I don't like episodic releases once a week. Yeah. I prefer the, the, the massive dump because then that gives me... And like you, I don't have a lot of time. You guys have tried to schedule shit with me for years now, and you know it's it's a I've given it's up all over the place. Shit show. But that yeah, shit show. Um, but I I really like having the option, 
and not having to wait for it. Because if I find myself with some time and I've already watched that week's episode, I just am my SOL and then I have to go back and try to catch it later. You know how you can fix that? You can wait till the end of the season and just watch them all. I, that's it's what I've the done. same thing. That's oh. what I've done. I'm <laughs> avoiding spoilers for eight weeks. That's, that's the downside for, for, for Joe's piece. Now, conversely, the upside is, like, you can put the spoiler, like, it's easier to put the spoiler, like, removal button on a show if it's released weekly. Like, I feel like, and this kind of goes back to even the old days when it was just broadcast every week. If you're more than a week behind you don't get to complain about spoilers. You can kind of, but there's a lot more technology to get around that nowadays, too. Yeah. There is ways saying, to like, just not avoid certain spoilers. It's not impossible, this, but... In this day and age, when you have a lot of people that are working 60, 70, 80-hour work weeks, I disagree with that, because some people just don't have time. People should just not do that. Well, that's easier said than done. Um, I know, I'm just being... That's my contrarian piece of it. Yeah. Um, you're also one to talk being a small business owner. Um, <laughs> two small businesses because I'm a dumbass. Clip that, please, chat. Can somebody clip as, that for me so I can make that as, a soundboard? I'm sitting here rewriting numbers again while I try and write the Mary Heismas episode. Yes, both of those things happened yesterday. Uh, I, I think that's the thing though that like the the where the dump comes in, and I don't like it because while I agree with Joe that if you're more than a week behind with work schedules and stuff like that like that that kind of shit happens um but if you dump it all at once and everybody wants to talk about it and you're just gonna get the whole i never had to watch squid game because i the weekend after it fucking blew up i heard about it non-stop at work the next day and there's no spoiler work warning that i can get away from with that kind of thing right because mm-hmm. uh, the whole fucking series is spoiled at that point um and so uh, you know, if it's released episodically, then you at least have a chance to get caught up and a chance to like disengage a little bit if you don't want it spoiled for you. Um, or yeah, you can you can say in the water cooler talk, you can say, "Hey, I'm only up to episode three. I'd love to talk to you guys, but I'm only up to episode three. Yeah, if exactly. it's released weekly, and people and people will mostly uh, mostly uh be okay with that if not maybe you might need to lend out virtual uppercuts if they don't you know Mm -hmm. uh that's all that's up there with like not respecting the headphones like don't come and talk to me karen while i got my headphones on i don't want to talk to you um i i think the other thing too for me personally this is this is just me personally if it's released episodically that's my measure and my bar of whether i actually look forward to seeing it next week because if i don't might as well cut my losses and not keep watching the show mm, because yeah. if I'm not looking forward to it, then obviously I'm not enjoying it. Like that's just the way it is, you know, and I have a very hectic schedule. I have a very, very busy life. Um, and you know, it is what it is. So you guys see my Instagram, you know where I'm at on at, at, at a lot of times. So I don't know. That's just kind of the way it is. Uh, tip, I would say that a lot of people need to allow unions, um, but in, in the way that they are shooting, they have to, because SAG, uh, SAG-AFTRA, IATA, uh, the Writers Guild, all of that has to be, there's no way around any of those unions, uh, when you're trying to make productions like the Wheel of Time and stuff like that, so. 
um, or The Boys, which The Boys is a fantastic series, which I have not caught up with, but it's one of those ones that I will put on the list to catch up with eventually. But again, that's another one where it was like released weekly and it didn't keep my... I watch it on yeah. those. Those are like my plane rides. Like when I'm going to and from set, that's my plane ride. I tried to watch the boys and I got most of the way through the first season and then they kind of lost me. I was like, I'm waiting for you to get to the point. Yeah. Um, I really like. I think there's a lot of fronts. Yeah. So what you're saying, Tip. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yes. True. Um, <laughs> I love the fact too, by the way, just to jump in on this one. Uh, I love that people are recommending everybody just wait for Eternals on Disney Plus. Like uh, so. Again, it feels like, and the 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 people who I listen to, who I trust, um, Eternals to me feels like Doom, where I I think that the experience is going to be better. I'm not saying it's going to be bad on TV, yeah, but it's going to be better in the cinema because of the the way that it's shot and the sound design and everything else. So that's probably another one I want to see in the theater. Um, based on everything I've heard, I don't understand why it's kind of getting crapped on. Well, and I waited for like the real, I want to say the real critics to like jump on. Like I'm not the, cause it got review bombed because of all the other shit and right. that's terrible. So I waited for a, a larger consensus of people because a lot of people are basically like, it's a good movie, but is it worth going to the theaters or if you already own Disney plus, probably not. But see our friend, our friend Ryan has now jumped in the chat and this is my thing. <clears throat> Everybody I've talked to or I've heard, like, again, that consensus is it's a good movie. How is it getting worse scores than Thor 2? Okay. If it's a good movie, it shouldn't be get. And that's what I'm saying is that I think that our view of the MCU stuff is so bloody skewed now that if it's not Endgame, it's getting crapped on. I think it's a much simpler explanation than that. I have counterpoints to all of that, but I'm going to let Joe go first because I've been talking a lot. I honestly think it, a lot of it has to do with people are stupid these days. Sure. And but I'm talking about the critics, not... One's not in the, chat if you viewers. are stupid, please. One's in chat if you are stupid. <laughs> and Eternals is a different type of movie than what the average people have come to expect from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. And I really do think that is factoring into a lot of it because they're wanting another Iron Man. They're wanting another Thor. They're wanting another, you know, Avengers. And it's not any of that. So people are going into it expecting it to be that and are not. And they're getting mad about it because let's people are fucking dumb today. Individual <laughs> to quote men in black, the person is smart. People are dumb. Yeah, it's actually a really great quote. I do love that. And people just get butthurt over like the dumbest shit. Like you can't just enjoy a movie because it's a good movie. If it doesn't fit your preconceived expectations, it's a terrible movie and you hate it. I so, love I love Joe's saltiness right there. It, it, I it, 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 that stupidity crosses over many thresholds in in my personal life and it aggravates the hell out of me. I think you're probably right. Is that a lot of it is the they're not getting what they expect out of an MCU film. And I think that that's sad because those same people are complaining that all the MCU films are the same. And that's, so this is where I get frustrated with people. Do not 
in the same paragraph griped to me that all the MCU films are the exact same. It's all the same. It's all the same. It's all the same. And then the minute, and I see this from both critics and fans, the minute they're like, all right, we're going to try something new. We're going to mix it up. You get freaking clowned about it. <laughs> I just, I don't, like, don't do that. Yeah. Like, if, don't, look, if you want them to all be the same and be carbon copy, great. But then don't complain when they don't, like, experiment. And then when they do experiment, you've got to let them try. People don't know what they actually want. That's the problem. And any designer, any person who deals with creating things publicly for for individuals and companies will tell you that. People don't know what they want. People make a lot of money out there figuring out ways to, to translate between what your customer is telling you and what the product's going to end up being. And I think that's where a lot of it breaks down. And and I've bitched about this privately before. I, I think a huge part of the problem we have with the modern cinema skate, both in TV and movies, is everybody wants another goddamn Shawshank Redemption. They, if it's not at like top tier quality, but you get mad about it. And it's like in the nineties, hang on. In the nineties, we had things like Last Action Hero and True Lies and all those other stuff. Movies. It's okay for a movie to not be the pinnacle of cinematic art. Like it can just be fun. Just go yes. and watch it. I, I think that's what the problem though is that Eternals is not fun. <laughs> it's Maybe brooding. Not, but- but like gonna... people, people were shitting on Transformers. Which let me let me argue. I understand Transformers was kind of kind of a eh, no, no, no. I'm on your side on this Transformers it's a argument. Stupid movie where it was literally just to to drive toy sales again and to get robots on the screen punching each other for an hour, and that's it. Same like don't the Godzilla forget, movies. Don't forget Murka, because in mm-hmm. all the Transformers movies, there was a, a heavy dose of <sighs> Murka. And then he just complained about people being stupid. And then he's defending fucking Transformers. Are you fucking serious? It was a dumb... If you went into a... If you went and bought a Transformers ticket and expected anything other than what it was, you're doing it wrong. That's like... I know, I'm just saying they shouldn't have been made to begin with. Or at least not with Michael fucking Bay. This is this is what I think I... I think I'm going to try and translate what Joe's saying because I think I agree with him. and, And maybe I can translate what Joe's saying. The stupidity is is don't go to Transformers and expect it to be Shawshank. You're going to watch Transformers because for an hour and 45 minutes, you want to watch giant robots punch each other and Murica. You're not going to these other films looking for this thing. So if you walk into Ant-Man and the Wasp and think it's going to be Schindler's List or Shawshank or one of these other films, you are walking in with stupid expectations and you are an idiot. Here's where I counter with that. Nobody is fucking walking into that expecting anything else. (laughs) But when you go to something as cinematically shot and as deftly put together as the Eternals, and you can see Mm -hmm. it all the way from how they do the typography, how they're putting everybody together and stuff like that, yeah, they're expecting something with a little bit more heft, especially since you just got done with Loki for crying out loud, which had a lot of depth and greatness. And but that's uh, my thing is that I the stuff that I'm seeing about the Eternals is not that it doesn't have heft to it. The stuff that I'm seeing is is that it's not marvelly enough. Well, I'm seeing the exact opposite is that the story doesn't actually ever come together. That it looks like a DC film. 
It and it plays like a DC Ooh, film. That's some shade being thrown. Well, wow. I am, and I and I will fully judge it as I can watch it on Disney Plus because I'm not going to go pay other mu- mu- money to go see it. Shang Chi, on the other fucking hand, looks like it deals with a lot of great stuff. Does have humor and levity in it. Does have some action. But also isn't like swap, slap, slap, a dee doo. You know what I'm saying? Like it does go across the line where it can be a little bit low key, but it can also be a little Guardians of the Galaxy at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Spider Man movies, same kind of thing. Like they've got some comedy relief, but then you can deal with some real shit. You know what I'm saying? The Eternals just stands out because of the way that it's being shot and presented. It could have a completely different plot to it, and that's totally fine. But I think when you put that many different unknown superheroes, because the Eternals is a very esoteric story in the comics, for crying out loud. I know very little about the Eternals in general. It's not, it's a very, it's one of the, it's a super nerd story. Like there are levels to all of this. It came from that like Kirby 1970s psychedelic era of Marvel. Well, and then you've got everybody, you know, I I love to watch other YouTube channels that like to speculate about all the, the lore and how they weave the MCU versus the comics and things like that. Um, and yeah, when you're starting to, and, and I'm actually going to connect it to the gaming side of these things because we have a story after the break uh, about gaming. Uh, but it's the same thing that's happening with World of Warcraft. When you go deal with all the godlike figures in the galaxy and what maids and, and the Big Bang, when you're also dealing with superhuman talking trees, like and none of it makes any fucking sense at that point. And, you, and unless you do it really, really, really well, you're going to lose 90% of the people out there. And the 10% of people that you're going to bring along for the, for the ride are probably the ones that would have did it no matter what you did in the first place. Right. And so I think that's the difference when you kind of look at the different like layouts of Marvel is it can get emotional. It can get heft, but there is a point to when you bring together the more esoteric side of Marvel, you're going to have to spend extra time getting people there to it. Um, and and introducing themselves and things like that. Um, well, I mean, the, somebody Dick. in the well, I was gonna hold on. So I was gonna actually just start with somebody in the chat said they didn't like the the Black Widow film. They fucked that one up. They should have had that come out correctly on oh, time and everything. Can we can we talk about that one after the break too? We, I got, I we got can, but we got Black we got Widow. gaming news after the break too. But yes, I want I just want to mm. say that I see that in the chat, and I oh. agree because of just the way that it kind of messed up. So. I somewhat I agree with a lot of what you're saying because realistically, even in the main MCU stuff, they they really did take a quite a bit of time building up to uh-huh. what it eventually became. Because you know, Iron Man one, two, and then the original Thor came out before they really got into the formula that we see nowadays. And if Eternals is like again, I don't know a whole lot about Eternals, but if it's if it's that esoteric, they really needed to do the same thing with that as exactly. like a separate yeah. branch. Um, personally, I was looking forward to Eternals, and I'll probably and I'll watch it. And I, it sounds like we may need to do one of these streams for Eternals when it comes out. Um, I personally love the 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 whole ancient technology, ancient beings coming, you know, and being actually like high technology back in the olden days. That's one of the things I like, loved about Dune. Since we're, this is a Dune stream, we're gonna wrap it back around to that. <laughs> visually, I love the way Dune has always presented that the technology in their world is obviously incredibly advanced compared to what we have. It's 8,100 years ahead of ours. You see that it's math, incredible. Chad? He did that on the fly. It's 
Well, it's because I watched it earlier, but uh, <laughs> it's it's year ten thousand one hundred thirty-one. Which, by the way, that's still not correct either. If you look at the book timeline, but we can but keep going. I, I love the way they present the technology in Dune because it's it's obviously very high technology, but they do it in a way that makes it feel kind of very casual and also very ancient. Where it's just it's something that people just have rather than being well oh look i have a, a we, cool thing we talked about this while running new world which we'll talk about in the gaming news section in a minute but it's it's you say that it feels ancient i feel like that it feels lived in which mm-hmm. to connect back to our blade runner comments uh and how that all connects to doing and stuff like that that world felt lived in as well even though we still didn't really get a lot of the we didn't get a lot of the scenery as much with that we didn't get a lot of the backstory which i think we really need to get like four more like blade runner style movies to get like how the hell did we get here kind of thing right <laughs> yeah, um yeah. but so i think that's that's kind of the thing too is that they do a really good job in in that movie making it feel like it's lived in and that it's real even though it's made up space technology you know what i'm saying oh yeah a good example of that is if you're watching a movie, pay close attention to the navigator ship, the shots they show of it. Like, their ship is obviously this massive thing, like Death Star sized, but it looks weathered and beat up and old. Mm-hmm. Yep. We got Death Star. And we got uh, we got more coming up after the break. So we're going to yes. go take a quick bio break. Y'all hang tight. I'm going to run some ads so we can pay some bills. And we'll be back in here in just, uh, you know, like five minutes, okay? We'll see you in a sec. Oh, hello. Welcome back. Hey. I guess I didn't have desktop audio on that whole time for that. So it was a very silent, uh, it was a very silent, uh, back screen. So, oh, uh reading back on chat blade runner 24 and i had animated shorts to help out that is a whole different issue of if you need to watch animated shorts to get the damn main story then we have a problem yeah and so you could make that same argument about the matrix because like and i actually liked the animatrix all the shorts they had that kind of like showed how the machines took over and all that stuff that was great but i'm kind of with sean if you need it it's a problem I kind of feel like the Matrix didn't need that specifically. It was just kind of a bonus. Yeah, no, that's why that's why I liked that whole series, because I thought it was a good bonus. I thought it was great to have the extra detail there. But if you needed it, which I feel that's like, yeah, that's where the problem really kind of comes into. So. Blade Runner 2049 was... God. Um... How do I want to? How do I want to put this? It was a very well shot film. I thought it was a great movie. It suffered from. It should have been made twenty years earlier, and it took itself just just this much too seriously. Like the original Blade Runner was was cool and experimental and all that stuff, but it it didn't it wasn't trying it was like Blade Runner was able to be cool without trying to be cool whereas Blade Runner 2049 was trying to be that angsty guy in class who's telling you he's deep 
Well, I kind of wonder. Which I, I know this is all available online. I've just been too lazy to go find out. Um, I've, I've, I've always kind of wondered if the original Blade Runner was as big of a hit as we think it is now in retrospect. Because there's been a lot of movies that came out that kind of were shit in the box office and ended up being a cult classic, basically. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that factors in. Um, but Blade Runner 2049, I think for me, I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't really think it was that bad of a movie. I do think there were some definite plot points they could have removed. Um, I kind of feel like they dove a little too deep into is K really a human being or not a little too mm-hmm. much. So, um, and I kind of felt like they could have left the Deckard Kane part of it out. No, don't get me wrong. I love seeing Harrison Ford back as Deckard Kane. I just don't think it was necessary to the plot. So to answer your first question, I just looked. The original Blade Runner was a, a commercial flop until later. Yeah. It was one of those that like it picked up in DVD sales and re-releases and stuff like that. Uh, the original one did $41.5 million on a $30 million budget. So that's why I thought I remembered hearing about it, but I yeah, haven't confirmed that enough. It it was not it was not a commercial success when it released. Um, also, an adaptation, an adaptation that if you've ever read the book it was based on, you're like, wow, you really just took like three concepts from that book and nothing else. <laughs> um, by the way, don't be in a bad mental space and read the book that it was based on because it will make it worse. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, it is a... Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is the book that Blade Runner is based on, uh, is a supremely depressing book. Like, it will make you sad. It's I mean, rough. Cyberpunk is so so known for his happy themes. <laughs> but I mean... For what it is, because like Dick does other cyberpunk stuff that that isn't like just straight up fucking depressing. Yeah. Where you're just like, wow, I kind of want to just go away now. You know, it was yeah. uh, it was bad. That's how I felt when I was forced to watch Brazil. <laughs> Terry Gillian Gilliam, how you pronounce his last name? <laughs> like I, I did not walk out of that film in a positive mental state. Yeah. Um, not because not, I don't think necessarily because the, the the story itself was depressing, which it it kind of was, but not really. It's just that was one of those films that I'm just like, why was this made? <laughs> Who spent money on this? There no, was a lot I, of that in the '80s, though. There's a lot, a lot of, of that, that now. I mean, a dystopian film. Sean and I frequently comment, we're like, how does this stuff get greenlit? And how have they not made an identico show yet? Well, apparently Brazil is like some, it's also like one of those ones, it's a cult classic. Everyone thinks you need to see it. And I'm just like, it was, it was dumb. I kind of wish I'd had that time back. I mean, it's like reading 1984 and stuff. I mean, it's meant to have some impact on it, but 1984 is a fucking depressing ass book. Mm -hmm. Like, so is Brave New World. Like... Catch twenty two, like these are Fahrenheit four fifty one, yeah, depressing books. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, oh, <laughs> don't don't read it if you if you want to have a heavy drinking weekend. Let's no, put it that way. No, don't do that. So, uh, let's talk about some games in other depressing news. 
We had a whole slate of great news today uh, that would have been if you like Animal Crossing. Because uh, Animal Crossing like 2.0 came out today, which yeah, is my, fantastic. My my wife and daughter are going to be thrilled about that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Everybody can go like repair their dilapidated islands that they haven't used in a year and get sassed by the island residents for not being around because there's some sassy pieces of you know what there. Do you know what I'll... Go ahead. I've only ever played Animal Crossing one time. Okay. And that was when Ella went to go take a shower and she left her DS on and I went into her world oh, and I used different. and I used the uh, shovel tool to write butts. <laughs> <laughs> you so, would. You would. That's that's the extent of my Animal Crossing knowledge. The credit that I give Nintendo and and this relates to Animal Crossing is that when they release a game, it's done. Like they don't, you're never gonna see a Cyberpunk 2077 issue out of Nintendo. It will not happen. They just, their games have a lot of polish and I really, really love that about them. And the way they've been releasing their DLC, the way they do their events for Animal Crossing, I think it's, it's good. It's good work on their part. So, I, I believe so, yeah. It. It's, it's fairly polished, uh, if not underwhelming. Uh, because none of their consoles will ever set the world on fire, and none of their games will ever really set the world on fire anymore. But I don't uh, think that's their concept anymore. I don't think that's what Nintendo wants to do. Um, They're profitable. They make money. Yeah. I think they just don't care anymore. I think they like being... <laughs> I think they like being that cult thingy, right? <laughs> they like having Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, no. Animal Crossing, and those games that... Everybody's going to buy a Switch for those games. Everybody that buys one. Um, and they're going to be great games, and that's it. And they don't care about competing with Xbox or PlayStation. I, I think you're pretty spot on, on that, about that, but I don't I think it's necessary just because they are cult classic at this point. Like, everyone knows Nintendo. It's also because, as is true with most Japanese companies, Nintendo has a huge array of products that a lot of people don't even know about. So they have entire other sectors to prop up the game side if it tends to go south i mean they like just these. released metroid dread too which uh was i guess a game it's okay which, <laughs> i, I <laughs> agree nintendo has some pretty solid polish but can we talk about how in um breath of the wild their durability system on their weapons was fucking garbage uh yes we haven't gone a couple weeks without you saying that yes <sighs> Don't worry, like if Breath someone, of the Wild 2 will come in 2025, and you can then have even more durability I look systems. forward to breaking a brand new sword <laughs> in a single fight. <laughs> yep, that seems to be about the, the nature of it. If you think the durability in New World's bad, just wait. Play oh, Breath of the Wild. I have, right. some, I have some grumps when we get to the, the New World portion well, of the time right. discussion. You you got something on Activision Blizzard before we get him started on New World? Uh, I don't know which one's <laughs> going to be saltier, Activision Blizzard or New World at this point. But, uh, I, I, I thought Activision was a garbage-ass scum company for probably over a decade now, so nothing that they yeah. say or do could surprise me at this point. So, uh, on the heels of all the sexual harassment and discrimination and retaliation and all of the other lawsuits that are going right now, uh, terribly because of legal maneuvers and things like that. Um, there were two people put in charge of Blizzard Entertainment. Um, I'm going to poorly pronounce this guy's name, but I think it's Michael, uh, Yabara. I think is how you pronounce it. Yabara. 
Ebar. And uh, Jen O'Neill. And uh, today, Jen O'Neill left. So we're back to having a white dude run uh, the company. Good job, Blizzard. Fantastic she work. Left. Yep. She left oh. to go. Uh, she three months. Yeah, she left after three months to go uh, take a nonprofit role with Women in Games International. So if to me that does not signal that some shit is about to happen, uh, I don't know what does. Because if you are in charge of a very large, if not still profitable company, uh, and you go to go take a nonprofit role, while important, like I think it's an important role, uh, that screams something to me. Uh, that nothing is actually changing at, at Blizzard Activision. It could also be that because there was some scuttlebutt. I don't know how, how confirmed it was, but there was some scuttlebutt that they were going to be closing uh, Blizzard and shifting all their assets to a new company that they're going to spin up. I wonder if she maybe she just didn't want to be a part of that. Because, I, I mean, that's a pretty monumental task, taking a much beloved company that's been around since the 80s and killing it and making it over again. That, I don't know if I'd want to have my hands on that reign. Well, when you're an executive, those kind of things happen. And, you know, it's, it's kind of part of, part and parcel, you know? To me, I mean, it's, the, it's the three months, right? Yeah. Like, the general rule for executive staff is they're going to give you a year to not screw up, right? Like, you pretty much are guaranteed you're going to get a year. So this is not a situation where they ask for the leave. Like, and if you're an executive and left after three months, like, and these people don't just take jobs willy-nilly. This is not one of those ones where she was like, I took a job as a project manager here, and then, you know, a headhunter grabbed me three months in, and I got paid 20000 a year more to go here. These are executives. I mean, that's... Could also be that she, she accepted the job with some caveats that were not met, and she decided to just cut her losses. It could be. Uh... There could be, there's, there's a lot of things, but I mean, it just, it really does signal a few additional red flags, um, yeah. to me because they are replacing J. Allen Brack, who was 15 years in, I don't know how many of those years were at Blizzard a long time. Uh, and then there was Mike Hor Morheim, who was president of Blizzard for a long time. I think he was there during the whole merger with Activision and stuff. I could be getting the timeline a little mixed up there, but um you know it's i don't know it's it is odd <laughs> to say the least uh and it hasn't really helped that the same day that that happened they announced that both uh diablo uh 4 and overwatch 2 are going to be now delayed till uh 2023 most likely um probably longer but so that means at best they could have a world of warcraft expansion out next year but right now uh patch 9.1.5 i don't think has i'm gonna look it what? up they had announced that they were going to maintenance only mode for a while uh the release date is what i'm looking for uh maybe it's actually out now i but think it's, it's i think it's the fact that they are putting those two on hold that makes me think that they're about to plan a major shift in the company well, it sounds like they need it from from all the things. I just don't think it's going to go in the right direction. Well, I mean, at this point, I feel like they, they are kind of put into a corner. Like, I, I really don't know that they're going to be able to salvage the Blizzard you can't, name at this point. You, you can't. Name a company 
I challenge the chat. I challenge anybody who's watching this later on YouTube, do it in the comments, hit me on Twitter. Name a company as big as Activision Blizzard that when they get to this point are able to make a significant pivot. Because I can't... What, with this much uh, corporate issues? Yeah. Because there's only one person at the top right now that can actually do anything about it, and he ain't doing shit. What I'm saying is, is that in the history of, of corporations, I can't oh. think. <laughs> Just so like that, Tip came through. Tip comes through with Disney. I'm gonna say Disney was not in the Microsoft in the brand. No, yep. Microsoft. See, Microsoft managed to make the DOJ antitrust stuff make it look like the U.S. government was attacking them unfairly, and in the end, Microsoft won. Right. Uh, I don't think that's lost. entirely what he's talking about. I get, yes, that is one of it, but Microsoft has had a legit pure amount of issues that go up and down the spectrum with it. And I look at Blue Origin right now, it's having the same issues. Right? So like, I, don't, I don't think Microsoft's dirty laundry has been aired to the level of blizzards now. Like, Microsoft never got sued by the EEOC. Right? Like, it never happened. Disney? Uh, inaccurate, actually. Microsoft is one of the main reasons why uh, contractors, in the, at least in the state of Washington, if not in other in California, stuff like that, can only work a certain amount of time without being offered a full-time position uh, and rolled off because they, and they were, and maybe still are, I'm not there, but uh, abuse the fuck out of having a contractor role oh, where they don't I, have to pay for any other living work, wages or anything like that. So, work through, work with yes, those people. they have uh, had their problems. Bill owns the laundromat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Damn, son. But I, don't, I don't know that it's impossible for Blizzard to salvage their company culturally, internal culture wise. I think they could. I'm saying their brand they, is trash. But their brand is their brand is toast. I mean, personally, I'll say their brand was toast as soon as they merged with Activision because I remember that happening and most people were kind of angry about it at the time. I'd be curious what you're, you're referring to with Disney. I know Disney's had some dips. They definitely have. Um, Are we talking about whether or not they've been able to fix their work culture? Because if or that's fix what, their brand? Like, Disney's brand I has mean, never really been, like... Disney's been pretty widely known to be horrifically sexist, anti-Semitic, and have Nazi leanings, so... That was Disney himself, yes. Yeah. And by extension, his company. Like, they, they have deleted the entire Briar Rabbit from their catalog because it's racist as fuck. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why they're changing Splash Mountain. It's no longer mm -hmm. Song of the South. They're going to uh, Princess and the Frog, so, which I is mean, great, actually. I feel like Disney has managed to turn that around. I mean, I don't know what I it's just like don't working think for Disney these days, but... I don't think they've had to do it in this era of social media and stuff like that. Um, uh, no, that's actually inaccurate. Pixar. Uh, Latner. They had that issue with, uh, with Latner yeah, and they had to get Latner. him out. So, yes. But see, yeah. that was the difference is that they got Latner out, right? Like, I don't think Activision has done enough to clear up the top. Oh, no. Kodak should have been, Kodak should have been let go a decade or two ago. Right. He That's is what I'm saying. quite like, literally scum. Like, even the Raiders got rid of Gruden. Like, some emails yeah, right. from 10 years ago, Lee. True. And the Raiders were like, all right, we love you, Gruden. John, get the fuck out. Right? Like, 
that's the answer, right? If yeah. you are a smart company like Pixar, if you're a smart organization like the Raiders, that shit happens. You're like, you're done. Sorry, you gotta go. Yeah. My my still one of my hugest overall questions, and I think I, I have all been able to answer it internally in my own mind. How much did Metzen and Kaplan know about it? Everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's highly likely that in a corporate culture like that, they probably knew. Well, they a were lot. also pretty speculation. highly placed at the time. Yeah, I mean that's um, that's pure speculation on our part, but I mean it's probably oh, a safe bet. I will say, from my previous megacorp culture stuff, anytime stuff like that's going on, the managers and executive staff who are affiliated will know because they'll be drug into those meetings, right? I don't even think it's heavily speculated. I mean, it is speculation, but I can't see a world where they didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. Basically, I want to know if I should be mad at Kaplan and Metzen at this point. Yes. I'm I mean, because it's entirely possible from, from what I've understood is uh, Metzen and Kaplan both had their own semi-independent teams within the company. And so, you know, in, a, in an ideal world, maybe it's possible that their teams were not run that way. And that's part of the reason why they left. I don't know. It is it is entirely possible. I think this is the this is where you need to be cautious and wait for any uh, evidence that would, you know, like not drag their name into this particular one. But mm -hmm. I think it is safe to say that they at least like they may have known about it. Now, whether they could have done anything about it, given the culture, now is, my, my next is statement. the other sort of thing, right? Like, yeah. I think that is that is where that is where the two things kind of do. Whether they actively took a part in it or whatever like that, they're not part of any of the lawsuits, as far as I know, at least that I've read so far. Um, but if they had known about it or whatever, is a totally different story. Now, complicity has its own issues, and you got to deal with that, you know, on your own personal kind of feelings, but. Um, you know, I just, it's, it's just the dumbest thing I've seen in a very long time with all of this. And it's not even trying to hide it anymore. It's, you know, and with the, with the delay in Diablo four and overwatch two, I mean, it's at this point in time, blizzard stock is at its lowest. It's been in a very long time. I just actually went to go look to go look at Activision stock, and it has had a big, big dip. Yeah, I mean, can even if I go year to date, year to God, date, it's down twenty three. We've it done it before on this podcast, but can we just, as a podcast, beseech these companies just stop being dicks to people? Oh yeah, no, we just stop yeah. ruining things for us. <laughs> it's not that hard. Stop ruining things for us for like, everybody else. Like, can we do that, please? That'd be great. I was, Thanks. I was really looking forward to Overwatch too, and now I just I don't think I can buy it. I, I have uninstalled the first Overwatch. I've uninstalled their entire Battle.net. Yeah. Uh, it hurts me deeply that I now am not able to play the uh, Diablo 2 remaster. Because I was just doing a replay of StarCraft 2 too. You were actually. I know, and I'm upset because I love StarCraft. Stop rooting things for people. Well, it's not I, just... It, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's not just that. It's... And 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 this is something we, we try and deal with in Identico, and I think that we'll probably continue to deal with, and it's... But it's, it's difficult to write about, is... What is it about your corporate culture that makes you think this is okay. 
it's it's not about ruining it for the fans as much to me as it's why would you want to have a workplace that functioned this way for as long as if you've all read the California court papers right for as long as it has right like this is not new this was not something that happened over a period of like six to nine months this was a company culture and a system and everything else that was going on for years and years and years and years and y'all just were like eh fuck it yeah like where do you not ethically and morally go we can't fucking do this like it's not okay does that make sense there was a joke on Reddit that came out about the the time this was all breaking that cracked me up, and I still <laughs> I still think about it whenever this gets brought up. Is one of the things that, that was described in this whole situation was they had a frat boy mentality about working there, and the comment was, "Why are these people acting like frat boys? Every single one of these assholes were nerds in college. They were oh, frats." Oh, I can I can absolutely tell you why. Oh, that it, that's always made sense. Because they got the monarchy of the power? Bingo. Because, see, these guys weren't the guys that got into frets, right? And so now that they're in this position where they feel that monarchy of power, they feel that cultural, like, significance in their own minds and in their peers, that's what happens. You see it in the military. You see it in corporate culture. You see it with a lot of these people. It makes a lot of sense to me because I've, I've watched it, and it's horrible. Right. Toxic masculinity, it's a thing. It's right? the nature of human beings, but it also just it's one of the things that makes me want believe that whatever being or, or cosmic processes design human beings obviously did not do any QA because that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> no, this is this is primarily in my opinion a I think Joe American subscribes to tips human malware. Yeah, <laughs> thought. It's it's a it's a western and and it's a american and, and western european mentality. And well, it's not specifically just that. Oh, I'm saying like it manifests differently in other cultures, but this is very much a like it's it's the same motherfuckers who were gatekept and and put upon because they played D&D back in the 80s and 90s who act like clowns now, right? Who want to gatekeep people out of their hobby and want to be like, well, you're a new, do, 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 you know, like you are doing the same thing that was done to you because now you're the cool, like it's the same crap. It's just crap. I think that's just also just a general human thing because that is definitely not limited to just Western people because, I mean, Japan to this day is still incredibly sexist. Like, that's one of the things. But it's, that, I'm saying it's different. It doesn't manifest the same way. I mean, at the, at the high level. Men specifically. At the high level, uh, I think what Joe is saying is it's still the same concept. And I have friends who are working over Japan and stuff like that who are women and are actually working in the fashion industry, too. Uh, you know, in and it is very much, you know, it is very much a sexist culture, even over there mm-hmm. when it comes to it. So, um, I think it's, I think, it's, I think the thing is that the, the, the headline is that it's a problem in many, many parts of the world that should be fixed, uh, as, as <laughs> one can fix that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, it's so. the headline is the human race is a garbage people and we need to do better. It's it's absolutely one hundred percent toxic masculinity. Well, that's what I mean by fixing Joe. But yeah. yes, I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like, like y'all need to get over yourselves. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing about it. Is a lot of people, uh, power is uh, 
Power is a weird thing because you've always heard of the the prince and pauper kind of style or heavy is the head that wears the crown and all this kind of stuff. Like, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And I'm going to, I'm going to shout out something that is not nerd related, but it's, you know, uh, just yesterday, uh, Zillow announced their earnings calls and are going to just up and fire 2000 people over the next few months. Oh, I saw that. And yeah, that's, they're shutting down that whole division. Yeah. Um, and that is just the dumbest, like, that is just the dumbest, most, most piss poor management that I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, I have people in, in all of the tech industry up here, so I apologize if I am offending anybody who might still be de- defending anybody over there who made that decision. Cause you done fucked up on a magnitude that 2000 people around the holidays at this point. Like they didn't necessarily announce when all of those people are going to get fired, but you're around it's the so, holidays yeah. is basically going to get let go. So another friend of ours was talking about how a company she works for, I don't want to name names in case that was potentially confidential information, um, was going to be basically cutting people's pay despite pulling down something like 10 to 20 billion. Oh, you mean Amazon? No. Oh, because they did that too. Record yeah. record profits all during the pandemic, but uh, some people got pay cuts and most people didn't get any pay raises to go along with all the stuff they had at home. Again, garbage species yep. need to do better. And Amazon actually is going to miss Q4 earnings because they're going to uh, input more into the workforce, I believe is how they put it or something like that. Um, so, of course, uh, the stock market didn't like that because <laughs> it's not wringing every little cent out of everything so hmm it's it's dumb and so we just my, we my just give up and say that human the capitalism is human malware i think i think it's a it's a construct of the human malware but i think it's the 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 point that i was sort of getting at is that power is an illusion that you only tell yourself to try to make yourself feel good because of bad self-esteem it has nothing to do with your ability to actually create anything manage people uh, create and give anything to society like that means nothing because if you have what's called servant-based leadership which is those oh. which is the understanding of like if you're in power you don't actually have any power you're just managing people so you gotta help them right you gotta help them do better for what they need to do and thus everyone gets to be successful are um, you trying to tell me that if I become a manager, my job is not to make sure everybody looks up to me and, and worships at my feet? No, that's that's. I'm sorry, Man. that would be doing it wrong. Um, it's a shame, right? Well, um, I had some shit experiences. My- uh, well, I think that actually goes for all of us and probably everybody on the stream too. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of the thing is like you know, to be actually, you know, there's no such thing as power. There's also no such thing as like. Leaders are not given a job. Leaders are chosen by the people that they lead because the people they the people who want them to lead because they look at them and they know that they can rely on them. Uh, if you're given a title and nobody believes in you, then you're just a bullshit manager and you probably aren't going to be very successful. Just plain and simple. There's your management uh, tip one-on-one tonight um, for it. Don't be a dick. Seriously. Don't and if you're that. a manager, you you have to work that much harder because you got to work for your people, not against them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all uh, that to say is, Blizzard Activision's uh, Blizzard Entertainment stock is tanked. 
it is uh, not doing well. There's a lot it's of red flags its, still. It's at its lowest point in 18 months. Yeah. I just I went to go look at the thing, and so it hasn't been this low since April of 2020, when everybody shit took a dump during the early parts of the pandemic. Can I just take a brief aside here and say I'm far too immersed in meme culture these days because I literally went to go look for it and I actually wrote Blizzard Stonk. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Google can translate meme and it got me in the right place. But Google yeah. speaks uh, meme. Yes. All right. So what's your what's your new world news? I mean, what else isn't what isn't new world news? There is gold duping. There are chat exploits. There was a time this week that none of us could actually log onto the servers because they were having to hotfix so many things. There are, uh, <laughs> I play as a mage. I can't actually hit shit with my fireball and it's not just because I'm a terrible aim. It's because the damn thing goes through enemies. In Did a game that is PVP based, that is a bad thing. Did you see the thing where, um, during the, they shut down for those of you who don't play New World. They shut down in-game currency transfers basically across the board to prevent because mm -hmm. so, there was some exploits people could do to get infinite gold. I saw an article came out that about three or four hours after they did that where a group had figured out how to do it anyway during the time whenever they weren't supposed to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, here's my question. So we on this stream have all enjoyed playing new world um i feel like i've gotten my money out of new world is only 40 bucks and i've put basically about 40 hours into it now that's kind of my my metric for games like this uh, with the issues that new world is having and i know we had huge server stuff we had a big launch move you know we've all been on there since the launch mal you were on there since the beta but everything's been, been on launch the alpha actually yeah, and we've had we've had some wild refugees come over. What is your opinion on the long term? And I'm talking nine to eighteen months viability of New World. Uh, it depends with the issues they've had, and and you know how the MMO crowd is. Well, I, yeah, I've played a ton of MMOs, and even up to recent uh, Shadowlands patch, I was trying to get everybody back into WoW uh, before the the whole thing went to to terribly. Crap. Um, so I would say this is I think there, there's good bones there. Um, I think that the core concept of PvP now they have announced they're doing a ton of changes to PvP. Uh, to actually make people want to play PvP, because the game, if you if you don't, if, if for those who don't know, you know, New World was originally designed to be a PvP only game. Like that was the whole point of it. You would go do quests and stuff like that to gain gear, but you had to basically be flagged for PvP the whole time. Um, and through the alphas and betas and things like that, it changed over to have both PvP and PvE. So you know, folks like Joe could you know quests when they wanted to and then we can go defend a fort when we want to. I would say I, I have spent 98% of my time in New World in PvE mode. Yeah. and it's Because I'm just doing stuff. Yeah, well, and it's the chill way to be because if I want to go and <laughs> we, did this the, we did this the other night. There was a poor guy in Everfall that was fishing and the four, for four of us we were running PvP missions because we were trying to get somebody up so they could go do the next level of whatever it is we got to do to gain standing and advance mm -hmm. the to advance the game. 
Uh, and they were flagged for PvP, and so were we. And they had, by the time he realized my fireball was going to hit him in the back of the head, it was too late for him. Um, <laughs> so it was an unfortunate time because all he was doing was sitting there fishing. Like, but he was griefing people, man. It, it was in my way to get back to town. Like, because if What's you die, attack you though. Well, no, but matter. but he's flagged. Flag <laughs> he's flagged. If you have your flag on and you walk out of a town, that's tacit <laughs> approval that you're probably gonna get ganked. Yeah, and like, that's why you never run PvP by yourself either. Like. <laughs> Um, so anyway, you were saying changes they're going to make, I, I things think, like that. I think it's the PV, the PvE changes that they're going to make. And then there is, you know, we've seen some leaks about what the new map could look like. Um, and oh, so, yeah, there's some leaks about what the larger map, because if you notice, there's roads going off all the top of it and stuff like that. If you zoom in on the map, you can see it. Um, and so there's more than the Shattered Mountain that's at least been thought of. Whether it's been in development and stuff like that, I don't know, because I imagine a lot of people are doing fixes to the game and stuff like that. Um, overall, I think the game has an interesting idea. I think the story is non-existent uh, for the most part, unfortunately. Um, I think you have to read all those damn journal entries to get it. Well, it's very uh, so it's like Destiny. I don't know the fucking story of Destiny 2. I have no idea what that story is. Bad and things this, are there and we're killing them. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's sort of the thing. It's like, here's all these different alien factions. You've got a gun. Go that way. And here's a cool mount to do it. And shoot mm -hmm. things, right? That's destiny. Um, New World is that, but with swords and, and a musket. So it's a little slower paced than destiny. Um, but it's the same thing. I don't I don't know the story of Halo, for crying out loud, because it doesn't make any damn sense either. Like, and because it's like, here's, okay, Halo's, here's I do the thing. Know. I mean, uh, Halo, they kind of cram it down your throat. I guess so, but I only played Halo for the multiplayer because that was the fun part of the game for me. Um, no story there. Yeah, exactly. So I don't really care. I mean, I tried to play the story one time. It was, yeah. Do you think New World has viability past the 9 to 18 month mark? Do you uh, think people are going to stay and play? Because you know as well as I do that a, a strong MMO has to have a reasonably strong player base to stay alive well it's it's that and i think the there is enough systems in new world to keep people there assuming they can balance and fix them which is a big if because they was a it was kind of a monumental undertaking for them to fix some of the things they've already done um but i think there's enough systems and enough reason to be in there hell people still were playing final fantasy 14 and they only got a big influx because wow shit the bed well, it was still now, around. to be fair, Square kept new endgame style content coming to Final Fantasy XIV on a fairly reasonably regular schedule. Well, that's Define fairly reasonable schedule for Sony because that was not the case. Well, and I'm saying like for, for Sony, but like take SWOTOR. And SWOTOR, in my opinion, that lasted about, oh. I mean, the servers worked for a long time. <laughs> but one, of the early, one of the early complaints was once you got through the initial end game content, it took them like six months to get anything else out. That's quick, and though, so, for, for end game content. Kind of worms there, buddy. <laughs> My point is, and Small Tour lasted, you know, I think they, in fact, I think they're still up. Yeah, they're um, still up. Technically. Um, I mean, I'd say it was a strongish MMO for two years. Nope. <laughs> Can I say that? And this, this is, I'm tying, I'm, this is not just I'm going saying, to be. And I'm saying player base, number of people playing, this it was not, running. This is not going to be a just a shit on Swotor comment thread here. Okay. I don't so, believe you, but go ahead. So, so to me, New World right now is the state that is in the same neighborhood that Swotor was at about six months. 
Okay, and that's why I'm asking this question because I don't disagree. The the problem that what New World is going to have to do, and please temper this with the idea that I think a lot of these people that are shooting on New World are a bunch of prima donnas who need to chill their fucking asses because it's a brand spanking new game from a new newish studio in a new IP. There's gonna be bugs, there's gonna be hiccups. Yes, they've had a lot of development time and betas and so forth, but betas only ever capture a very small segment of their actual in-player base. So take all all that with a grain of salt. People need to just calm down and and just let them do their thing without getting worked up into hysterics. And I've gone to the New World forums. They're already in full-on hysterics over there. And I just think, let's hit the brakes. It's been out for a month. Like a month and some change, something like that. I think you're right. Okay. The 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 thing they are going to have to watch out for is if you t- if you go back historically and look at what Swotor did in the first year to year and a half, mm-hmm. don't do any of that. <laughs> so what specifically are you talking about there? Swotor's biggest sins in that in the time frame when it happened was the biggest one of all was they did not and they flat out refused for a long time to allow server transfers okay the server i was on i forget the name of it but the server i was on you know how you would go to like the the main quest hubs the space stations back Mm -hmm. then i don't know if that's the same nowadays but that's what it was back then my server personally went from having about 2000 ish people online when i when it first came out up until about the first eight months and then within about a year, whenever I would log in and be in those areas, by one day I went and I logged in, there were 20. Okay. There was one guild on the entire Imperial side of the server that had enough people to do any of the, the dungeons. And they were they forced people out and refused to let people in unless you met some kind of like draconian metric to join their guild. So for for about the last, by the time I got to level the max cap and I was able to do raids and stuff, because I played that one kind of slowly, there was no option for me to do that because I was not part of that guild. So I will say the server I was on first 18 months of SWOTOR, I did not have that issue at all. There were a lot of servers that did have that issue. And, and, I believe, and, and they should have allowed the server transfers. I'm less worried about on that side, the server transfer stuff like that. But but, that no, that's, that's going to be a critical thing coming up soon uh, for uh, New World. I understand, but what I'm saying is, is that from a content and gameplay perspective, the other secondary issue of Swotor was very slow at releasing new content. That's the, true. The the one major content patch that came out with in the time that I was playing was the Starfighter update. Okay, which, so before that, they which, had the they had the first yeah. and second expansions, which pushed the level caps. And added the two new planets. I don't think you're remembering that right, because I did not level up higher than I was before I started the Starfighter stuff. I think we might have lost Woody. He's stalled out. No, he's just he's sitting there thinking in in hard repose now because you're you're challenging his SWOTOR knowledge. But the the other secondary issue, and this is not does not have anything to do with. Okay, now we lost Woody. Specific is. Is basically what Swotor tried, and and this is, I know this is kind of a firebrand opinion, but I I really feel strongly about it. They robbed their player base. Like, full stop. Because when when I bought the game, you know, I spent, I think I bought, if I remember right, they did kind of like a tiered pre-release, pre-order kind of thing. 
and I think I was somewhere in the middle. But then they switched it over to a free-to-play model, and then basically we're like, yeah, so the, all of you people who played the game, even though we said we were never going to do that, yeah, you're fucked, you're just not getting anything. And then the, the fan base just went apeshit about that, and then they finally were like, oh, okay, well, here's some tidbits. No, so I... And again, actually, I will say they did some stupid things with that transition, but the fan base that went bananas on it, a lot of them were complaining about things that just they had no reason to complain about. Because um, I, I remember when that transition happened to the free-to-play model, and I was like, the free-to-play model is there to, well, to, to sub. That's all it's there. The, the, because the, the the, half the shit that you want to do in that game, you couldn't do in the free-to-play model. Well, that, that, that's not that's not what most people were angry about. What most people were angry about was when... The, it, you're right on the on the expansions things because the Hut Cartel was the first expansion that came out, the Hut Cartel expansion. Yep. Um, that's where people got really angry with them because the Hut Cartel was like, I think it was like thirty dollars something. Like that. It was like 20, it wasn't like a full priced expansion, but it was a it was still a decent chunk of change being spent. And no. they said at the time it when it came out that it would never be free. There are posts you can go find it. They said that that expansion would never be free. Right. And then six months later, they're like, "Oh, it's free now." <laughs> <laughs> so it pissed off a lot of people, and I, I don't think New World is going to have I that problem. I, I guess I can't. And then I think the the Gree expansion was free. The main issue this that New World to get back on the New World topic, so I'm not just continually yeah, shooting on, on Spotor. The main Spotor. problem that, that New World's going to have to have to deal with is they have to be reactive. They have to be quick. Uh, Spotor eventually allowed server transfers, but it was about six to eight months too late. Server populations are dying off in New World, which we, to be honest, is, is expected. Any new game, any new MMO is going to have see a spike of players, and it's going to slowly dwindle and stable out, stabilize over time. I'm not that worried about that. But our server went from a high population marker to, I looked yesterday, it's a medium population marker now. Some of that may be just people switching servers to be with their friends and are still playing elsewhere, but still, it, it, it could be a potential problem. If server populations continue to drop, they need to be reactive or proactive, not reactive, with allowing people to congregate because the world does not work if you don't have enough population. The second issue they need to get and tackle yeah. is they need to they need to push out, probably in the next couple months, they need to push out kind of a mini update. Even if it's just like, hey, there's a couple new weapons and maybe like a new um, post-rush map. You know, just something basic. Mm -hmm. um, because one of the chief complaints right now is that there's not much to do at level 60. Which I can totally see. That's why I'm not in a particular rush to get to 60. You can do wars. You can do invasions, you can do outpost rush, but what else is there? Well, wars you get the problem. The problem with wars is you have to get chosen, and it's dependent on who is running that whole thing. Um, so you basically that's have that's actually not that's not Twit or Amazon. That's a player somewhere. Yeah, in the no, server. it's all it's all it's like Evo Online. It's so completely utterly player based. Um, okay. And so but it's already starting to cause a clickish mentality. Well, welcome to MMOs, right? Like that's just the way that those things work. Uh, um, but it, 
think it gets to Joe's point, which is if 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 company A is saying, hey, these are the only people we'll let play wars, when you get to 60 and there's nothing else to do, yeah, that's gonna hurt your player base. Well, but I think that's uh, well, and that's the that's sort of the problem that I have with the war mentality at the moment. And one of the things that I love about on our server, if you'd like to take down the purples, yellow team, uh, we're happy to sign up and help you. Because uh, as the green team, we can do that. Because that's the thing we can do. Um, because you don't necessarily, so long as it's not trying to help out one side or the other, you can get anybody you want in the thing. Um, but the outpost rush, the 20v20 stuff, which is kind of neat, uh, and coming up with new islands and stuff like that for the PvP portion, I think, is a really easy way for them to add content there. Um, and then there is still been a lot of talk about the blunderbuss coming and a few other weapons and stuff like that that could be really good for the game. Um, so I think there's there's a possibility there. They just got to get through this first month of like <laughs> issues. Well, I think one of the other, I just was reminded of it. I think one of the other Crap. issues they're going to have to address is how guilds earn money. Because right now it basically is entirely from taxes that are done on in the towns that they own. Right. Or through don individuals can donate money to it. But I, just out of curiosity, uh, I've heard one of our friends might talk about, you know, how a lot of the green groups have a strategy where they want to take over the profitable areas of the map, which is fine. But I, out of curiosity, I looked and in Everfall, they were pulling down because there's, if you go to the governor's desk, you can look and see how much they've earned over the last period, which I believe is a week. It might be five days, but I don't remember. Everfall at the time had a rate of over 200,000 gold. And that's been pretty consistent since the game started, since people were able to get it. I went up to Morningdale. That poor place, was, in the same period, that poor place only pulled up down 2,417 gold. That's because there's a lot of people that haven't made it up to that high. Or they don't I, care to be in a place where they have to constantly... Like, if you're a high level, because I'm near 60, uh, and if you're a high level and all you want to do is grind your tokens and stuff like that to get the faction gear, like, am I going to go back to Windsward where I can run around either ignoring and or one-shotting everything? Or do I want to go to Morningdale where I actually have to sit there and deal with gear durability and fi actual fights? to farm that kind of stuff you know what i'm saying like i think it also has to do with the geographic location because we've said everfall is the most hotly contested one on our server because it's the central one yeah everybody well, wants it and no one wants to go out to morningdale to do their shit evan scale if the map is correct evan scale will actually be the true center at the higher levels later on in yeah. the game so um i will say to your point about being reactive though is i feel like amazon's done and this is not me just blowing smoke, but I feel like they've done a pretty good job trying to be reactive to this. But um, I don't need to be proactive. Well, it's hard to be proactive when you have you only have so many people, right? There's there's development, and then there's things that like, and I say this as a game designer, having watched people break my game a lot. Uh, there's only so many things you can scenario plan for. It's just what it yeah. is. Um, but, but they did trends. Uh, there can, can be. Yeah, no, no, and I think that's the thing that I'm saying that they are they're doing oh. a good job. Like they're seeing it, so they they released a blog post yesterday, uh, yeah. talking about territory control, and they said, you know, hey, look, we're gonna change the way tax income is distributed. You know, I, which I, I think is fantastic. 
Like I, that's one caveat I have to all this is I am not at all upset with the way Amazon has handled things thus far. Yep. They've generally been pretty reactive. They, I was kind of miffed whenever they disabled everybody's gold, but it, I was <laughs> I was worried that that was going to be like a week. But it looks like they got it done in what forty eight hours. I think yeah. Some, day. some poor dev team worked really hard on that one. Yeah. Well, didn't, didn't even fix the problem. Uh, it, <laughs> so. Didn't fix it completely, but they the the latest uh, the update that is releasing tonight. Um, that's actually probably going live while we're talking about this. Um, there's a lot of combat changes. They've changed the cost for respecking significantly. Um, so Lord, I hope uh, okay. reduced uh, coin respect for attributes by sixty percent. How I've, oh, after good. I've already spent God knows how many times respecking, uh, and reduce the weapon mastery respect for Azoth by X amount. So like, um, you know they've reduced the amount of coin in Azoth you get for losing outpost rush because you could go in and completely shit the bed in outpost rush as of yesterday and make 180 gold for less than 10 minutes worth of work and get all sorts can, of shit. Can I take this moment oh. to to on on an Amazon owned platform? Okay. To ask them, what the fuck were you thinking making housing taxes five days instead of seven? Uh, Also fair. (laughs) That's a very fair question. Somebody wrote some math. There's math there somewhere. It's stupid. It's aggravating. Mm -hmm. And it's completely unnecessary because it doesn't have to be like every Saturday you're getting charged. It can just be seven days from the time you purchased if you purchased mm-hmm. on a wednesday every wednesday it comes up that's easy ma- that's easy math and easy data points in programming to log i guess to kind of come back to my original question because i don't think we've really answered it is does new world have long-term viability do we think Amazon's going to pull it off I, I think, think they could i think they will for at least a year because if you think about how long it's going to take We've got a drought coming of good games. We don't have a lot of good MMOs coming out. WoW is going to MMOs. I'm trying to think about video games in general. There's nothing for this holiday season, well, is there? No. And if you think technically Battlefield and oh. stuff, but that's that's a that's a game that you pop in and out. So I'm going to go play a couple mm-hmm. rounds of Battlefield because I'm not going to stream Battlefield uh, religiously, not like I used to. Uh, so I'm going to go pop in and play a few games of Battlefield, get frustrated as fuck because it's a broken-ass game oh. right now, and then I'm going to go back and fish for like an hour or two in New World where everybody on my server has been here. Like, it's the we've had the biggest lobbies outside of Pummel Party on our servers playing New World. Like, that community building right there for the game, at least right now, is good enough. Um, the, on- the only thing I wish I could do going to like Joe's server transfer thing and it's actually something I liked about SWOTOR for and I can explain why if anybody is curious I want to have more than one character on a server you can limit me you can say two you can say whatever but I would like to have more than one tune on a server I think they run into on a game that's built so much on the economical basis Mm-hmm. I think that that would create if we're already seeing transfer issues and things like that um, especially with like a family shared plan kind of thing I think you're going to have even more issues if you mm-hmm. had multiple tunes I'm not saying they can't get to it at first because I agree I would like to go make a mage build and then I would like to go make my dex build 
and then I'd like to go make my strength build because I want to play all three of those versions of the game. Which is exactly what I did in SWOTOR. Like I had my my Jedi Sentinel and I leveled him to, to 60 and then I started over with a trooper as a healer spec. Now I could still run with my same guild and my people that I like to hang out with because I was on the same server and I could go do the same stuff. Right? Yeah. Because from a, a geary economy thing, it's look, BOE, BOP, like that's how you fix a lot of that stuff. Like there's only so many things you can transfer between your tunes. Right? Um like I like you, I said I would like to try different builds, but still hang out with the same people. Yeah. I will say Cur- currently I'm just spending a lot of money to do that. <laughs> to respect yeah, exactly. and go find the gear and all that, you know. I have spent 600 gold in the last 48 hours respecting my character. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things I wanted to bitch about about New World while we're on topic of New World. Yeah. Tanks need love. <laughs> the game in general, I, I, I really like the way tanks work in the game. It's a lot more of a proactive tank. Like you're doing more things rather than just button mashing. Yes. Like in WoW. Yes. I really enjoy that part of it, and and I really enjoy that tanking requires skill. But the problem is, and this is not just limited to tank, this part, the game favors very heavily mono stat builds. Yes. And I really think they need, oh, to, yeah. they, they need to address that because it's that's kind of stupid and they need to fix it. But the, the problem where I'm, I'm experiencing as a tank is I have created a new build. Um, it may exist another thing. I don't know. I just kind of came up with it in my head. I'm sure someone else has already done it too. But I am basically unkillable to most mobs in my level range at this point. The problem is my DPS is so slow that especially I'm up in um, what's the I can't remember the name of the place. Um, Evanscale. The, 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 the snowy place that's just to the northeast of Evanscale. I can't remember the name of it, but I'm up there. And when I go in, usually the missions I've gotten are like, go to this fort and kill these a lost or whatever the fuck their name is. I can't remember. (laughs) Every time I do that, it is a solid 15 to 20 minutes of constant fighting. Because I, the aggro range is way too high on those mobs in that area to begin with. And it takes me so long to kill things that by the time I kill half of them, the first half is already respawned and re-aggroed on me and comes running in. Mm-hmm. That has oh, I, I see what you're saying. That has resulted in basically every mission I go do typically takes around 100 to 150 gold to accomplish because I'm constantly having to repair. Yeah. Like constantly as a tank. So my options right now are either I can just keep soaking up the gold loss, which the economy is kind of fucked in terms of getting gold right now, which sucks. Oh, yeah, it is. Or I can pay 340-odd gold to respec and be a DPS while I'm questing and then pay 300 to switch back to tank when we're doing dungeons. Mm -hmm. So, in my opinion, tanks need some love right now. Either they need love or you need to have a I would I would suffice to say like could you do a dual spec build where like you can just basically change in a town 
be like, I'm gonna get my tank gear, I'm gonna get my dex gear, or I'm gonna get my tank gear, and I'm gonna get my DPS oh. gear, or whatever. And then you can only, it's like the PvP flag, only switch it in town, you know? The only reason I don't think that's possible right now is, like one of you mentioned just a few minutes ago, this game so heavily incentivizes you to do all your stats in one stat and give no other stats your points. Like, if, if you're min-maxing. I'm saying every guide I've read, every single one of them has said, fuck all your other stats. Whatever your most important one is, dump everything in there because nothing else matters. You'll get con bonuses from gear. You'll get HP as you level up. But unless you are doing X, Y, and Z, fuck it. It's not worth it. There is literally, I've yet to find a guy that's like, no, you should really split between these two attributes. Strength and dex will be the one that you can get away with. Yeah, you, you can. can you can get away with that, but it's the this is the problem, and this is the problem. Uh, can't go a week without hating on the fantasy uh, TTRPGs, apparently. Uh, but this is the problem that I run into with most of the fantasy TTRPGs that this is sort of heavily kind of based on when it comes to the attributes, at least. Um, strength mm -hmm. and dexterity are favored in those as well, because melee is very favored in this game, um, because it's an easy it's an easy calculation to do. Um, it's easier for, I think, for them to balance as well. It's easy for them to balance. It's easier for them to calculate. It's easy for all of that kind of stuff. And so um, that's the reason I don't like using. I loved playing a barbarian kind of character where it was just strength and a little bit of constitution. I just go in there and my crazy wild hair flinging all over the place and just hit shit. You know, <laughs> that can mm -hmm. be fun. Right. Um, but it, it, it gets a little boring after a while, you know, to Joe's point, like when we, when we ran together and I could DPS for him, then that was easy. We got through certain things pretty quickly. Um, you know, they soak a lot of damage and these particular ones that we were fighting can actually drink potions, which also make the fight go and, longer. Uh, so <laughs> and this actually is an area where you can see in their design, how it was originally designed to be a PVP game. And a lot of these quests, in fact, I noticed this with the way they, and I don't know if you guys did either. When I was coming up, when I was right around that 15, 16, 17 mark, it, the quest would tell me, you should be level 16. Mm -hmm. And I would get into these ones. And when I when I do a level 16 quest in any other game, I expect it to be challenging, but not maddening. Mm -hmm. right? Assuming that you're at the level, the same level. Right. Assuming I'm at, I'm, at, yeah. I'm at 16. Well, I was doing some of these quests and I was like, it was like, be level 15, and I was level 16, and just getting wrecked. Mm -hmm. I mean, bad. And I was like, this game really wants you to be running around with other people. It does not, the way the mobs are structured, the way everything else is done, it doesn't want you to be by yourself. Captain Thorpe entered as a chat. <laughs> what? You haven't run the depths, so you don't know how poor or how terrible that boss is. That boss one-shots to level 60. Still, yeah, because uh, we Either were like, oh, we've got, tank. we've got our, we've got our boy who's a sixty. It'll be fine. We'll do fine. We've got two tanks. No, no, we got our ass handed to us. I don't. Uh, Joe, have you finished it yet? Nope. Okay, we still got to run Joe through it. What I'm uh, saying is, 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 is my impression of that wrong? No, uh, it is Dark Souls, and and I know that people keep challenging me when I say this. It's built to be as brutal as Dark Souls when it comes to PVE questing because it's meant to be. There are a ton See. of people who like to play that. You can do it because I've done a ton of things that I've been four or five levels under. It just takes a fuck ton of skill to do. 
And if you mess up one time, times. Yeah. you mess well, up is, one time, you're dead. This showcases the difference between experiences because, and this, I'm not calling you out as a bad player here, but he's I, playing decks, by the way, chat. I've been so playing. It's not like he's uh, got a ton of gear on him. I've been playing as a tank pretty much since I started, and the vast majority of the time I've been doing quests in this game, I've typically been doing quests that were five to six levels higher than what I am, and kind of cakewalking through it. I like you said that there's been times you've gotten wrecked for being a like a level or two under. I have not experienced that, and I've been a tank. So I'll say this, and this is again my experience. So you know. I I may not I may not just have hit the thing and I've I there's a few things from a skill perspective that I've actually learned in the last week just from playing about how to play a little more defensively and do a couple of things that are helping me that weren't helping me earlier. But um, I'm not gonna hit. when you are so when I was initially before I did my first respec at like at nineteen twenty, I was trying for a DPS build. Right? Probably DPS build is like, especially early game, the potions you can get and the potions that are, are available to you regularly, the methods of healing, suck, right? So you better be fast or you're dead, right? The flip side of that is when I respect as a healer, I don't love, I, I'm getting better at the healing abilities. I still don't love them. Um, and secondly, when I respect that way, it was I just couldn't I couldn't put down enough DPS. Like I couldn't put down enough damage to keep up with my heals on the cooldowns. Yeah, especially when I get into some of those areas where there's the one quest where you got to go up in the towers and find a specific chest, right? Um, where the little dudes will spawn out both and then attack you at the same time, and then if you're not fast enough, two more will spawn and come in. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't remember Those that quest. Ones, Maybe I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, like, I fucking struggle with a couple of those. And yeah. I was like, God damn, this is pissing me off. I, uh, I, I think your experience is very different than than mine and several others, too. Because I, I grind Windsward a lot. Uh, because it's cheap and easy. Those town board quests are cheap and easy. And don't get you into those crazy-ass situations. Yeah. Um, and I and then I can go back and do them when I can basically tank the boss of those areas. And, sometimes, and that's I think the other thing too is it's not clear on those points. I do love so to say some good things about New World. I love their crafting system. Yeah, I love the the mat gathering system. I love leveling my skills. I like cooking. Cooking's a blast. I, I right? think what you're getting at though is why the game's going to at least last a year, if not more, because if so many people could support final fantasy 14 for as long as it was for as small of a user base as it was if so many people could be supporting that game and it's weird kind of systems and crafting and all this kind of stuff and all like that i think new world has a chance i 100 percent agree with joe that there's a lot of very loud people that really just need to go stop playing video games because they're never going to be happy and i and i don't say that just to gatekeep them no. out of the thing i say that because they're being real dicks about it for that's, no reason um that's fans and a discussion i've been having with a bunch of people lately which is there's that 10 percent of fans yes who are there to be assholes well eternals review bombs right yeah like is it a terror is it a terrible movie probably not <laughs> probably not is it great probably not am i gonna watch it on disney plus probably so you know 
Like it is what it is, right? And uh, but people were review bombing it before it even came out because the internet, you know. So. I know. Up to that point, I saw somebody throwing a hissy fit about the the prevalence and uses of aimbots in New World. Uh, uh, cool. When somebody figures out how to fix that yeah. for every FPS game on the planet, I was like, "Have you great. played literally any FPS?" Yeah. Yeah. Ever, because that's always going to be a problem. I did glance once, and you were talking about a drought of games, and it's true. There's not much coming out, but there is one that I'm gonna go grab uh, in eight days, and I know it's a fucking hellacious cash grab and I'm ashamed of myself for buying it but I'm going to and that's the GTA Trilogy Remastered Edition and it's got three San Andreas and Vice City all in it I'm going to buy it and on that disappointing letdown (laughs) to quote Grand Tour that is where we will leave you tonight Thank you for joining us, hanging through. Uh, we appreciate it. It's so much fun to, to chat movies with you all every week. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. We'll figure it out. Well, <laughs> but we we'll be chaos. back next week. We have chaos, we have chaos on Monday. On yep. Monday, and we will be back next week. Yep. Hopefully, we will get a cast more solidified soon. We're trying. We Kill really are. Mod. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Until then. Uh, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Uh, if you have young children, go get them vaccinated so we can open up Ooh. the we can open up the world a little bit more. Uh, very soon, you can start making your appointments now. Actually, uh, shout out to everybody at the FDA, the CDC, because we're we're getting it going. Uh, shout out to Neuro Sexy Ass uh, over the CDC. Um, we love you all. Uh, be good. Drink your water. Take your vitamins. And until then, stay weird. Good night, everybody.